I will either be extremely successful in wealth or I will go dead broke. At that time, I will write that book. Nice. At that time then. Because it will be a story of how someone did so much and just ended up with completely nothing. And that's okay. If that's what, how it works, yeah. that's the story. And people need to learn the story of what, how, what broke me. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Two for Rise podcast, where we document the rise start in Winnipeg's town and personalities, aka the number one podcast in Winnipeg. Gonna get right to it. Hit the subscribe, like, all that extra stuff. I'm gonna get right to it. Let's bring on our guest for today. If you've lived in Winnipeg for a while, you've definitely heard of this man's name. He's opened clubs, restaurants, businesses, countless businesses, brought notable people to the city of Winnipeg, and is now one of the people behind the Summer of Sound event that is going to be happening this summer. Ladies and gentlemen, we had him on at once before, but we only just scratched the surface. Please welcome Stephen Hua. <laughs> just me today. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. I was talking before. Yeah. You're our first reoccurring guest. Yeah, I'm and honored. It, and it, it, it should be as wise because we had you on right when you did the Together Again yeah. event. And then r- we didn't know much about you. But as, as we've had more guests, more people have mentioned your name. And we've done more research on you as well and figured that, Stephen, you've done a lot. You, a lot, yeah. Maybe it just means I'm old. <laughs> I, I wouldn't say. I mean, you know, you have done a lot, and especially for the city of Winnipeg, you know. I've tried. I've tried. I've been the focus for the past 20 years. I don't even know where to start. Should we just start from the beginning? I know we touched on a little bit um, in our previous episode, but for the people who may have not seen this episode, like. Yeah, you know, should, should the, 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 where do we start? I always start off when I tell them about myself is that I, I used to hate Winnipeg. I don't okay. know if I mentioned that before. Uh-huh. Like when I was in high school, I was like, my goal was to get good grades and like to go to school outside of Winnipeg, okay. anywhere but, you know what I mean? Uh-huh. And when I went, I, I went to Simon Fraser University in, in, uh, in BC and um, I was miserable, you know, for, I was there for a year and a half and uh, I just missed home so much. Really? I missed the people, I missed the city, I missed everything. And then when I came back, I just had this like, mindset of like i'm no i don't want to be that guy that's going to complain i want to be a part of the solution you know what i mean because everyone's going to complain you know what i mean it's easy to say like this sucks like, oh, you hear it all the time you know what yeah. i mean but like winnipeg's a home it gives you a roof it gives you a job it's it's up to taking care of your parents your family in some way to give you a life right mm-hmm. and if you were meant to be somewhere else then you can go but in the day is like your city is taking care of you in some way you know and we got to yeah. appreciate and respect that and you know, if we don't want to make this place better, who is? You know what I mean? So then I just like have that mentality where no matter what, I don't want to complain about anything, right? Yeah. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to make it better. And if I'm not trying to make it better, I don't have a right to complain about it. You know, yeah. that's just kind of my, my mindset. Mm-hmm. So then I came back and I, um, I just got into the rave scene, EDM music. And I, I was like, probably since I was like 19. And then when I went out there, kind of like started getting into a little bit more. When I came back, I opened a bubble tea place. That was kind of what drove me back here. Plus a relationship, you know, I'll, I'll fall in love with a girl. Uh-huh. So you come back home and then I open a bubble tea place. This is like in 2000, 1999. I come wow. back, right? I opened this place up. Wasn't even born. Yeah. <laughs> so again, I'm old, right? So 99, I opened up the bubble tea place and it's like, there's no really real bubble tea in the city. You know, yeah. there's a couple of places doing it, but I did it like from, from Vancouver, trained there, learned in, in, in Richmond, okay, okay. open it up. Lost a pile of money, learned a lot of lessons, slept on the couch, and just like it was, it was a, in the business, like it, was a, it was a grind for a kid. You know what I mean? And uh-huh. and I'm, I'm grateful for the opportunity and the lessons, but it's just like I was way, way in over my head, you know. Uh-huh. 
but you know, timing wasn't right. Bubble tea probably didn't catch on until about 10 years ago. You know, yeah, so yeah. you opened up 20 years ago. It was like, it's, it's, it's a hard sell. No one really knows what it is. You're kind of convinced people or show them what it is now. It's like Starbucks. There's probably more bubble tea places than Starbucks in the city, yeah, right? Yeah. So yeah, so I came back from there. And then from there, I went, I attended my first rave. And then I was like, wow, this is great. I love this. I love the music. And then my girlfriend's like, you should throw a rave. I'm like, well, you know, a lot of people. I'm like, oh, sure. Why not? You know, it seems, it seems easy <laughs> enough. You know, so then I had a guy, a friend of mine, my mentor at the time, he had thrown a few parties. He's like, yeah, no problem. And the way he described it to me was not the way it, it should have been. He made it seem really easy. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, you just do this and you just Lights put camera. a flyer. And <laughs> yeah. It's easy. People start buying tickets. And like, it wasn't how I, I would never, never teach someone now, but mm -hmm. at the time it worked. And then uh, that party was the first big, first, the biggest rave ever held in Manitoba. My first party. Yeah, yeah. Not to say that that was my, that was all me. Timing was right. Everything, timing, timing is key, you know, mm -hmm. in business. And uh, from there, it was the right time. It was becoming more mainstream. It was becoming popular. And that's where I fell in love with like, you know, at the time, just throwing parties and bringing people together and seeing everyone having a good time, right? So, yeah, that's kind of like where the beginning would be like, that started everything. From there was a long grind of like four or five years of just different different hustles, different businesses. And mm -hmm. um, I was in like the internet pharmacy business for a bit, you know, they're selling, selling pharmaceuticals to the U.S. It's like, I don't know if you're familiar with that. Uh -huh. So I, I did, I, did uh, I sold appliances, I did graphic design, I brokered printing. Like that's, I learned a lot of different hustles. You Literally know? everything. Everything. Yeah. Everything. I mean, I've probably opened over, over 100 businesses in the past in the past 20 years, mm -hmm. you know, so. So let's break down the beginning. So you said you came back to Winnipeg and was, the bubble tea was your first. Yeah. Owner. How old were you at that time? 19. 19. Yeah. So 19 years old, just out of high school, I assume. Yep. What, what was the inspiration to just start a business? Like a full-on business, like bubble tea is like, you know, you have yeah, the storefront and everything from there. It's not like you're just the e-commerce you just put on a website and just let it. Yeah, fly. no, like the e-commerce didn't exist back then. <laughs> exactly. I, I wish it did, you know. I, I think the idea was back then is we wanted to be the first. It was so cool. Mm -hmm. So I found a couple of partners and like, let's 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 be the first person to do this. Uh, I mean, okay. and that's kind of like one of the first lessons I've learned is like being first is never the best. Rarely, <laughs> rarely the best. But you, we're obsessed with like being first, 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 right? Sure. And then you open a business first. Well, it doesn't mean you're the best. It doesn't mean you're even good at it. Yeah, just because yeah. you did it first. But we're obsessed with like, oh, I want to do it first. I want to be the first one to do it. Like mm -hmm. I'm just so past that now. And I want to make sure that if I do anything now that I have the capability, the passion, you know, mm -hmm. the finances to do it properly. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to be first. You know, exactly. I want to be the best. You want to do it right. Too. I want to do it right. hundred mm -hmm. percent. Right. And I don't want to be excited about it. Right. I want to know, I want to know what I'm doing. Obviously I was excited about bubble tea. I love bubble tea. Yeah, I yeah. still do. All my friends know that I literally like I'm buying <laughs> bubble tea every day, you know, but thing is that doesn't also fuel a business if just because you love something doesn't mean everyone else is going to love it this is 20 years ago no one even knew what it was barely right mm -hmm. what's the place called? it's called sweet escape. sweet escape so if anyone remembers <laughs> you know, you're old like me i'm but sure yeah. people having nostalgia <laughs> no people know like i said if you drank bubble tea 20 years ago you'd be familiar we sold like tickets to all the raves there so a lot of people in the edm community wouldn't would be, would be familiar with this place as well yeah but what was the like did you have a lot of like upfront capital to invest like how do you my go, parents how do you go they're in supportive okay you know extremely supportive you know i feel bad for you know, the losses i probably put them through you know and and but they've been they will they want to encourage that entrepreneurial spirit okay i know my, i'm sure if my dad was here he probably said i wish you stayed in school and and, and <laughs> focus on other things right but sure. i think life turned out all right you know I'm, I'm enjoying what i'm doing but um i mean my whole family is entrepreneurial but mom's side dad's okay. side everything you know so sister everybody so it's kind of what we grew up in and parents have businesses they have jewelry stores mm -hmm. um so it's like we were just kind of used to that hustle you know okay so that makes sense and and was there 
did they did they teach you anything? Like I'm sure they had provided some guidance when you started. Correct? Yeah, and the thing is, like again, when you're young, you don't know what you don't know. You know, yeah. I feel like, you know, I love my dad, but it's like I thought he'd be like, "Hey, dad, I'm gonna sign this lease, dad. I'm 19." Mm-hmm. He's like, "Yeah, okay, that seems fine." You know, like it wasn't <laughs> like for me now. Um, I wonder. I don't want to do anything without my accountant or my lawyer. Sure. You know, and it's like these are my expensive friends, but I don't want to go anywhere without them because it's more expensive not to have them. Mm-hmm. You know, and and. And when I was, ni- honestly, from 19 till 35, it wasn't like that. It was just like, things will get figured out. Let's just make money. Just you make know, like, it. make money and money will solve these problems. You know what I mean? But if you don't fix these or look at these problems, address them from the beginning, they become big problems later, right? So, yeah, yeah just little things like, you know, I, I wasn't ready for fully for what I was getting myself into. But again, these are, these are life lessons that you learn, right? And, and that was your first business, though. First business, yeah. First business, it was it was a disaster. It was it was it was. It How, was come? A big, How come? Just like what it was, you know, paying rent as, as a kid, the pressure of like paying payroll and and rent and not having it ready. And you know, I never forget actually the landlord. He uh, he was like there was three guys that owned the building. They came in like, listen, Stephen, I'm gonna let you off this lease. I'm like, he's like, oh why? And I was like, like you know, in tears, you're a kid, you like can't yeah. pay the rent, right? Because he doesn't have to let you off the the rent, uh-huh. the lease. He says, you know what? You're a kid. You're you're excited. You know, you didn't know so what you're getting yourself into. I just wanna, I'm gonna, I don't want to ruin your future, wow. right? So he let me off the lease, but his partner didn't. Didn't. Funny enough, because he was trying to make that call, which I I never, I'll never forget that. And I know I hopefully I'm in a position to do the same, you know, down the road. Yeah. But it's kind of return that favor, and even though it didn't even come through, it was a, it was a huge gesture for him to even like attempt that, right? Exactly. Because yeah. most landlords would never do that. Mm-hmm. Why? Why do you think he did that? Do you think he? I think saw he saw something? like I think he saw was in over my head. He saw that I was literally there all the time trying to make it work, and it was just yeah. not going to work. And what, what was he? What was he going to benefit from this? Like my name's on this lease. He's literally going to bankrupt this kid. <laughs> you know, twenty one years old to like for what? You know, this guy's clearly employed a multi millionaire. You know, like yeah. And I I think it's just the right thing to do, but most people aren't going to do that though. Mm-hmm. And when and when the business like quote unquote ended, were you hesitant to go into the next one? Or was there any sort of resentment there? Like, oh my God, this one. Like, uh, how'd that feel? Like, when, when you, you know, you've spent a couple of years putting your putting your soul into this business. You've started it. You've hired. You've gone through. And it's not going the way you want it. You know, I, I think I've been extremely blessed with supportive friends. Okay. For since I've been very young. And especially in high school and going out of it. They've always pushed me. You know what I mean? If things are down, they're always picking me up and pushing me, pushing me to believe in me. And it kind of keeps you going. Mm-hmm. That's important to have a really good support system, whether it's your family, whether it's your friends. And. I've never really doubted myself until I had a really big loss. We'll get into that in 45 minutes later. <laughs> but like, it was, it was, it was, a, it was a hit, but it wasn't enough to keep me down. You know what I mean? It was just like, okay, you know what? Okay. This is a lesson. It didn't kill me. You know what I mean? Like back then I probably lost like it was 20 to 50 grand. It wasn't like 5 million. You know sure. what I mean? But back then it's a lot of it's money. Lot, yeah. You're 19, 20, you're probably 21, 22 at the time. Mm-hmm. But I was also still making some money doing parties. So things were offset. And okay. I look at the positives and these lessons and that's kind of like a, a strength or a negative, I don't know if it's positive or negative, but mm-hmm. I always find the, try to find the positive in every situation. Sometimes you need to kind of learn the negative, not always see the positive. So then, um, so I was like, you know what? I met a lot of people through this business. It's my first business. I'm still standing. I'm still moving forward. It's okay. We'll just keep, we'll just keep going, you know? Mm. So I, it was, it is what it is. Yeah. You, you would learn from it. Yeah, exactly. Sure, right. Yeah. And then, okay. Bubble tea ends. What's the next Bubble one? tea <laughs> ends and I'm trying to gather. So at the time, my, I, I don't know if you're familiar. So, uh, pharmaceutical drugs in the U.S. are che- are, are more, way more expensive than Canada. Okay, yeah. So there was a big boom in the early 2000s um, from Manitoba. Actually, it started internet pharmacies that would sell these drugs, the same drugs here down there. 
Okay. So I saw this as like, oh, this is a crazy opportunity. So we, I had opened up a bunch of offices. I, I, at 2324, I believe, I then started doing marketing for an internet pharmacy. And I opened up an office in Miami, New Orleans, Santa Rosa. Uh, yeah, those three cities. Maybe missing one more. But then we'd have like these offices where we oh, sat in Sacramento. Okay. So I'd fly down there. I set up these offices. I'd hire staff. And yeah. then we'd have these, literally just me doing seminars, literally hitting the road, my briefcase, sitting in front of old folks' homes, retirement homes. Hey, listen, here's how we can save you money. Uh, you order through us. I get a commission from the sales. Yeah. I set up these offices. It was a big thing. I mean, the newspaper was like, it's like, it a very controversial thing because uh, like, imagine you're battling like American drug companies. Yeah, they don't want, they don't they want don't this, want right? They don't, they don't want the hell, right? So this became a multi, multi-billion dollar industry. Unfortunately, I got in right at the end of it which happens a lot in my story. Um, and just the time it wasn't there. So I invested a lot of money. I made a little bit of money, but I didn't, it didn't, if I got in a year earlier, I would have been a millionaire. But at the end, I just probably just broke even or made a little bit. But again, I'm traveling everywhere. I'm 22, 23. It was fun. You know, I'm opening up these offices and I'm getting, getting out of my comfort zone. I've never been a public speaker. Sure. I'm doing these, you know, 50 person, 500 person seminars with just kind of sell, trying to sell Canadian drugs, you know, like, like <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's a very unique thing yeah, to do, I guess you know? So. And it's funny because I'll go to New Orleans and I'll, I'm like, oh, where's your seminar going to be? And I'll have family there. And I'll give them like, they're like, well, you can't, you can't go there. Like, what do you mean? Like <laughs> cops don't go there. Like you, oh. you don't, you don't want to do a seminar there. I'm like, well, I'm going there. Like, yeah. so I got a hundred people in an old folks home that want to hear what I'm trying to sell. Right. Uh -huh. Like you're crazy. I'm going to tell you right now, do not go there. <laughs> so I drive up and you see a straight hood. Like it's the hood of like out of the movie. No. Like straight up, you know, I was like, because I understand why, like you, you really shouldn't be going to some of these places. You don't know where you're going. So uh -huh. I've learned a lot, you know, again, it's, you know, guys, get out of your comfort zone, right? Traveling to new cities, seeing new people, doing new things. It was a, it was a crazy fun experience. Well, I mean, I'm just saying like the trend, the jump from bubble tea yeah. to <laughs> pharmaceutical drugs yeah. seems like a hundred percent. And this whole time I'm lead. still throwing parties, right? I'm still throwing parties at this time. So there's still uh there's still promotions like I'm doing probably at this time I'm doing probably four to five raves a year. Hey, okay. And these raves are like in warehouses, they're in hockey rinks, they're in community centers. And it's not like now where mm -hmm. like we're doing these fancy parties and selling tickets. Back then it's like, here's the phone number for the location, yeah. call the day of, here's the address. Wow. So the cops don't shut us down. It's like, it's a whole different yeah. kind of throwing, like party throwing. You know what I mean? And it's, and it's like, I'll, I'll go to a hockey rink. It's like, hey, how's it going? Like, I'm looking to throw a, a venue for my birthday party uh, on this date. And we want to play music till five in the morning. Like, that's kind of weird. Like, eh, you know, we like to dance late. Like, How many people come in? Like, about 500,000 yeah. maybe. And then we pull up with like 3,000 people. And like, you know, the next morning, the small towns, church is like cursing our name. The music's still blasting at six in the morning. So it's, it's, it's just, it was... This is wild. You're thinking back now how crazy it was what we were doing, you know? Yeah. And now it would never happen like that. You know, I would, I would never take that chance now. <laughs> so what was like, what was the back end looking like? So you just, you hit up a hockey rink and you said most of it was outside the city, correct? Yeah, for the back then, weirdly enough, back then there was a rule that you could not have public dancing after two in the morning mm -hmm. in the city of Winnipeg. Okay. They were shutting down venues for public dancing after two. Like and any this, venue? Any venue, okay. no matter what. So then we would then, I basically became an expert in hockey rinks within a 30 minute drive okay. in Winnipeg. So I did a party in Lorette. Yeah. I did a party in Morris. I did a party in Headingley. I did a party in St. Norbert. So Everything. all the outskirts within like, basically I'm like, <laughs> yeah. how far would I drive to go to a rave? I'm like one hour's max, you know? So then from there, I just drove for every hockey rink uh -huh. within an hour, you know? And I visited them all, Carmen, like, Selkirk, every, everything possible. Mm -hmm. 
some venues are more receptive than others and some are like okay cool let's, let's do it some don't care you know mm-hmm. but then they see what's happening they're like wow this is this is nuts you know but it's also revenue for them on a day that they wouldn't be wouldn't be open right but what was that, the pitch what was the pitch to them it's always a different pitch every time, whatever it took, right? So kind of learn as you go. But I'm trying to be as honest as possible, right? Listen, we're going to be a throw party. It's going to be loud. It's going to be a big sound system, but nobody knows what it was. Like, uh-huh. You didn't have an expectation. Yeah. Like, oh, a big sound system? Cool. Oh, we like to dance couple, late. A couple speakers. Oh, cool. A couple speakers. A lot, you know, be a big light show, 500 people dancing. You know, like, are you going to be selling liquor? Like, no, just water. That's all we need. You know, we're, we're no liquor. Like, this is amazing. Yeah, yeah. Kids coming down to dance. No liquor. Uh-huh. What could go wrong? This is no problem, you know? Was that always the case, though? No, of course <laughs> not. You know, like, I, I remember in the town of Loretta, we did two raves there in their hockey ring, and they're like, we never want to see this again. Like, uh-huh. we don't want to see, like, 1,500, 2,000 people driving in from Winnipeg, uh-huh. dancing and partying all night, and then leaving at 6 in the morning, you know? Yeah. So it just, it's just, yeah, no, it just it doesn't happen now anymore. It just, <laughs> but back then, it was so normal, you know? Yeah. Was there like calls in the morning? Like, did like if you're organizing this event and you go to like the or owner, what is the owner saying the next morning? Like, are they cursing you out? Or no, like, I mean, like I said, sometimes they're chill with it. Sometimes they're like, okay, cool. Like that, that was a party, you know. Okay, and they clean, we clean up, and that's it. I'm, I'm very, okay. I've been trying to always been very respectful with venues and like you know take care of things. I've been I've been at venues where I'm literally scraping the gum off the floor at seven in the morning after throwing the party. I'm the guy helping roll up the flooring and clean up, clean up the mess to make sure, because you know, you can't, you gotta come back to these places a lot of times, right? So venues are hard to come by. You gotta respect that, you know, how are they gonna, why are they gonna want you back if you're not gonna respect their space, right? And so you said you were doing four a year or approximately? Yeah, about four a year at and, the time. And yeah. how were those split up? Like just uh, around holidays or just whenever? Yeah, May long weekend, I remember. I always tried to do September. Um, I tried to do Halloween, New Year's Eve was a big target, um, and then once one in like the spring. Mm. And and I assume the community wasn't like the rave community wasn't large, or was it was it picking up, or how? how I mean, did, how did you get fifteen hundred people to even back come out then? There? Yeah, back then it was off message groups, um, you know, different rave forums. Okay, and then also, excuse me, and then also um, just handing out flyers. You know, I would be every Boxing Day, I would be me out with my girlfriend or a friend and putting flyers on windshields. Mm-hmm. And I'd be the guy outside every venue, every club, putting flyers on windshields and cars and, and just, you know, get, getting the word out as best you can. It was actually just the most craziest, weirdest way to use your time, you know? And, and we still kind of do it now a little bit, but it's, it's just, you imagine like you have a very niche product. Yeah. You hit a hundred cars, probably zero people shit about what we're actually doing. You know uh-huh. what I mean? And, but we just thought that's the only way to get the word out. Okay. It was, it was very difficult, you know? And now, you know, Snapchat, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. It's, it's actually like overload. It's so easy, but it's easy for everyone. Mm-hmm. So, you know, with, with what I always say is like, we have to outwork and outthink every other promoter. if We want to have more people, right? Because yeah. everyone has the same tools. So back then they're going to fly our hundred cars. We're going to fly our 10,000 cars, you know, right? Mm-hmm. And if they're going to put it on Facebook to a hundred thousand people, we're going to hit 10 million people. But we have to find more unique ways to do it, right? The tools are all consistent, but how do you use them? And how do you kind of like, you know, what, what way can you kind of outwork the competition, right? Was there other people in the scene who were doing similar stuff you did that fueled that competition? Yeah, back then, funny, I had a long conversation about this yesterday, was that 20 years ago, it was very unwelcoming. You know what I mean? Okay. I was young, I was new. They're like, who is this kid? He's throwing all these parties now. You know, it was very territorial, you know? And I just had my 20-year anniversary on uh, party on Saturday. Yeah. And remembering that I would say the pain, but like the stress and like for a young person to deal with that. I, again, I set it out for myself to my 20th anniversary. When I leave this scene, whenever it may be, Uh 
I want everyone to know that I try to bring everyone together to work together. I'm not trying to compete with other com promoters. I want to help them, right? Mm -hmm. So we had we just did a party on Saturday at the Met, and uh, we had six different promotion companies all work together. Okay. You know, and yeah. it's like it's been it's a rare thing to happen. It never would happen 20 years ago. Mm -hmm. um, but I wanted to make sure that we can that that can work. It, it should work. That's how it should be. You know, if, if I'm only doing four or five six parties a year, and you're doing four or five six. Sometimes we're going to overlap, but often not. Yeah. We can help each other out. If you're winning, I'm winning, right? Everyone's doing well. Mm. The last thing you want is like, oh, what, when are you doing a party? Oh, I'm doing the same <laughs> day. When are you doing and we're just going to try to kill each other. That's what it felt like, you know, 20 uh, years ago. Like we're trying to compete to, to wipe each other out, sure. you know? And I don't want, I don't ever want to do that. And I, I feel terrible when I'm even competing against somebody else even to hurt them in any way. You know, mm. I feel like we need to help each other out, and especially in a small, it's funny because it's not a nice, back then it was a more niche scene. Now it's like, EDM is as commercial yeah. as it gets, you know, yeah. it's a, but now I feel we need to work together and regardless, we still need to work together, you know, has the mindset changed since then for yourself, um, compared to as now you were, you were saying, let's bring everyone together. Let's work together. Um, was that always the mindset or was there a time where you were just like, you know what, I want to be the best in the city and I'm going to do whatever it takes. hundred percent. You know, I think that that competition made me feel that type of way, right? So it's kind of like, okay, so we're going to go head to head. Let's go let's do this. May the, may the best <laughs> man, the last man, it's not even the best man win. Who's, let's see who the last man standing is. You uh -huh. know? And at a certain point where it's like, let's battle each other and let's just see who runs out of money or runs out of time first, you know? Like, let's yeah. just see what happens. And it's a terrible way to do business, you know? But when you start getting into that competition where you're trying to just beat each other, mm -hmm. that's what's going to happen. That's going to feel you're happening, right? And I think that maybe back then also, the promoters now don't do it as a livelihood. It's more of like a side hustle. You know what I mean? Okay. Uh, for myself, is I used to do this for a living for over 10, 12 years. Mm -hmm. Now it's like, again, it's, I'm, I'm now doing this as a side project. You know what I mean? It's not yeah. the only focus, right? Uh -huh. So it makes a difference for sure. So you're doing four or five events a year. What? And they're just like 1,500 people? What was like the... Yeah, 1,000 to 2,000, yeah. Okay. And now after the night's over, like how much would you... like? put in and how much would you like take away was this enough to sustain no your, never your life never never I, I i you know it's funny people would if i if i rode the bus people would think that oh steven must own that bus he must you know <laughs> like he, well, he's buying that bus you know what i mean and it's like i've lost way more money over the years promoting than i have made you know what i mean and <clears throat> that's why i really want to open up to people if you really enjoy doing this do it you know what i mean but if you think that this is the ticket to like getting rich or whatever else, this, everyone's got different motivations. Sure. I mean, I always tell people all the time, like, what are you, what are you doing this for? Mm -hmm. They're like, what do you mean? Like, they don't even know sometimes. Yeah. You want to get paid? You want to get laid? <laughs> you want to get famous? Because you don't know what you actually want. How are you even going to, what are you working for? Yeah, right? Yeah. So identify it, right? And if you can identify it, that actually makes your job a lot easier. Because sometimes you're doing stuff you don't even realize, like, why am I, why am I doing this? Like, well, I'm not even sure. I think I want to make money. I'm like, no, I Here's money. Are you happy? Like, no, I'm like, oh, it's funny. You want to go you wanted, here. You wanted, you wanted some, one of the other ones, right? Yeah, you weren't, because yeah. you actually didn't care about the money. But, or, or you lost money. You're still happy. Why is that? I thought you wanted to make money <laughs> because you got something else out of it, right? Yeah. So, and I didn't know for a long time what I want. I thought forever, I just want to get rich. Mm -hmm. You know, when you're young, he's like, oh, I'll make money. Make money. That's all I want. Six figures. It's just, figures. It's, oh, I want six figures. <laughs> Whatever it is, I'll make money. I don't even know what that even meant. Okay. You know I mean? Like, you don't, you don't really understand what comes with all that you know making money what does that mean what is that what are you going to do with that money you know what i mean like this uh -huh. is this so like i always tell people like when in terms of promoting is like do it if you love it awesome but if you if you need it very few people will succeed because they're driven only off profit the guys that are going to last the people that have been on this show that you've talked to the guys that i've seen like that have been during time and being successful 
they are the ones that love what they're doing. They have a passion for it. And the money is a byproduct of that passion. They're not, they're not motivated to be like, this is the check we need to make. You know what I mean? I've only lasted this long because I just love throwing parties and I love bringing people together. Mm -hmm. If I was motivated by money, I would have quit 20 years ago. You know what yeah. I mean? It's just not possible, right? Wow. And that's, that's, like, that's, that's a good mindset to have, right? Even, even sometimes when, you know, I have my peers and me included, I'm, I'm going to be honest. Uh, sometimes I'm like, yeah, I want that. I want a million dollars in a bank, right? Nothing wrong with that. Yeah. You got to want it, you know, like that. You got to set goals. You know what you want. Mm -hmm. If that's the goal, hundred percent, that's how do we achieve that goal? You know, and yeah. uh, when I, I remember like even when, when I was younger and with friends, it's always like, Hey guys, what are we going to do? That's going to make money. What makes money? Like, what can we do? Yeah, yeah. You know what makes money? Everything makes money. <laughs> that's the secret. Everything makes money. Yeah. Selling garbage cans, Rent, renting washrooms, making tables, uh -huh. podcasts, yeah, everything can make money. You just gotta do it but, but, you, but, but what are you actually, what are you actually good at? Uh -huh. and what will you actually enjoy doing? Uh -huh. Because everything makes money. But do I want to do that? Right. Mm -hmm. I was good at math in high school. Do I want to do it? No, I don't want to do it. Right. You pay me enough to do it. I, I still don't want to do it. Right. And then also, are you capable of doing it? Right. Those are two things that people don't really want to assess. They were, we're all cons like consumed about like what's going to make money. I'm telling you, everything makes money. It's just someone else is making it and you might not do it because yeah. you, don't, you don't have the passion or drive to keep doing it until it makes money. You know what I mean? I just see, I see potential everywhere. That's a problem but because there really is. You know what I mean? But you, can't, but you can't get distracted by that. What do you actually enjoy doing? Mm -hmm. You know, what are you willing to do for the next 20 years while you're not making money to build to that success? You know what I mean? And like, and what are you actually good at? Yeah. You know, it's one thing, like, I really love doing this, but you suck, man. Yeah, like you, you should probably stop. You know what I mean? Like, you, and, and, and that's a problem too. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, and, and that's a hard thing to fucking accept. You know what I mean? And that's a hard thing for anyone to accept. It's like, I really love doing this, but maybe I'm not that good at it. You know? And nobody or, wants to admit that. It's a fucking tough thing to admit, you know, yeah. ego, you know, to sit there like, and that's what I'm saying. Like, that's why we cannot consume ourselves with money. That's what I'm saying. Right. So, I mean, to me, money will come and I just don't, I hate my, I'm sure my investors and partners will hate hearing this, but I don't care about money. You know what I mean? Money's cool. It's fun. Don't get me wrong. It's nice to have, yeah. but if it, if it drove me, it would have drove me insane by now. I, I wouldn't be here. If honestly, I wouldn't be here. I would have jumped off a bridge if money was my factor to keep going, you know? So what were the goals back then? If it, if it wasn't, if it wasn't money driven, obviously the money's coming in. It's yeah. good. But what was, what was the goals back then? Back then, you know what? I think, I think just, being the best promoter possible. And I, I really was, I think I was, I was, I was consumed back then of just like, I want to, Winnipeg needs this. I, it's my famous lad's words. Yeah, you know what I mean, yeah. and it's always like, oh man, this is missing. Winnipeg needs this. Maybe bring that bubble to plug. Winnipeg needs this. You know, like this, you know, we don't have a club like that in Toronto. Winnipeg needs this, yeah. you know? And I was consumed with like trying to like be that guy to bring these things to Winnipeg because it needed it. Yeah. And that's not a reason that's not going to make you money. Mm -hmm. That's not, that's not, that's not, even, a, no, that's no, not no. even a business model. It's terrible. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. But because I just, I was over, I was getting consumed like bubble tea, the reason I'm like, I'm, oh, I care. Clearly I'm that guy. And ego gets, you get caught up in everything. And it's like, no, Winnipeg, sure Winnipeg needs this, but am I the guy that should be bringing it here? Uh, right? Mm -hmm. I'm not the guy. Am I capable? Do I have the skills, the finances, the team in place to deliver this thing that Winnipeg needs? Mm -hmm. No, I'm not. 
you know? And sometimes you got to admit that and you got to recognize these things. So now, I, again, I, I try to like assess things much more carefully before I get into projects now, you know? Were there people that cast like stones in your direction or like didn't, didn't fully support what you were doing? Oh, of course, all the time. But that, you know what? That comes with the territory and it's all human. Human nature, you're going to get hurt by it still, right? But yeah. a lot of times that, like, I could see that could drive a lot of people as well too, right? Mm -hmm. For sure, you know? Um, but yeah, no, that's always going to be there. You know, I don't think, uh, you're not, you're not doing, you're not making enough noise. If, if the, if the, if there's no, if no, if there's no one talking uh, in the bleachers, you know, you're not, you're not making enough noise. Right. So you gotta, that's okay. comes with the territory. And you gotta get used to it, right? Like you get used to it. And it's hard to get used to, you know, I can imagine it's tough for like, you know, celebrities and bigger, but like I'm not, I'm a, I'm a tiny fish. You know what I mean? But it's, even for me, it's tough. You gotta, you gotta deal with it. Right. But you know, as long as, and that's why it's again, back to having an important support system, you know, like that support system, that love from your friends, your family, your, your, your network, that should out, you know, be louder than the negative, right? Mm -hmm. And and you built your network over over the years, right? Like starting off with these clubs or, or sorry, uh, events, you get to know people. Yeah, and and funny enough, like that wasn't ever the goal. <clears throat> the never again, it's just a byproduct of like what we do, right? I want to take care of people when I come down, and I hate charging people for tickets. If if I, if I could, they'll all be free. You know what I mean? If I could, and I just want everyone to have a good time. And my friends now, they're like Stephen, you got to charge. Like you got, we got, we got to pay for this because they understand like the sacrifices and things are hard, right? It's not, again, I didn't pull up in a Lamborghini or a helicopter, you know? So it, it's like this and like, I'm, we're all, we're all trying to make it. We're all trying to grind, you know? But at the same time, you know, I, res I appreciate so much the people that support me mm -hmm. that I don't, I feel bad charging, you know, like people have been in for five, 10, 20 years. I'm like, man, I don't want really, really to charge you for a ticket. You've yeah. been with me that long or even you're new, like, oh, there's always a reason to kind of try to take care of something, right? You've never been to one of my parties? Here, let me give you a free ticket. Yeah. You've been here for five years? Give me a free, free ticket. You know what I mean? Like, you've been on that podcast? Let me give you a free ticket. You know, like, and it's like, it's so easy to be generous. It's yeah. so much easier to be generous. You know, it feels, I, good, though. It feels good. That's what I'm saying. So selfishly, yeah. I just want to take care of everybody. You know what I mean? Uh -huh. But that doesn't pay the bills. That's not going to put my kids through college. That doesn't put gas, expensive gas in my car. Oh. And, and you know, there has to be a balance, right? And but, but through all those years of like, trying to take care of people. I, I found that now it's like, wow, I have this crazy network. I didn't, that was never the goal. And I find that therein lies probably my, my biggest strength now, which I didn't even try to build, funny enough. It was just like, wow, oh, this crazy network of people that I, that I trust, that trust me. And that's, it's, you know, it's priceless, you know? Like, it's, it's, it's amazing. I, and I'm, I'm so grateful for it. Wow. So okay. it didn't just end at... Hockey rinks. Right? No. So this hockey got, rinks. This thing got bigger and bigger. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, you're right. So, you know, we're going to, in between, what happened is in 2007, 2006, 2007, um, now I've been promoting for seven years and I decided, you know what? I'm not making any money. Mm -hmm. Mom and dad are like, son, what are you doing with your life? Uh -huh. Which is was totally, I'm surprised they let me go for seven years. You know what I mean? <laughs> And it's like, clearly I've, been, I've made no money, you know, and I've got, I've done all these parties. I'm like, mom and dad, I'm done all these parties. Like, what the hell does that even mean? Like, who cares? So you you have money. I'm living with my parents. Like, okay. do you have money? You have a home. What are you going to do for work? Like, oh, no. it's not consistent. They see the stress. Yeah. You know, they're proud, of course, of the events, but they're like, son, like, you don't have anything consistent income, you know? Like, uh -huh. so I remember, I'm like, you know what? I'm done. I'm done throwing parties. It's 2006. Uh -huh. And like, I'm, I'm, I'm retiring. I tell everyone I'm done. No more raves. That's Soundwave a, Entertainment is over, right? Difficult. Yeah, and I accept right. it, you know? And I said, you know what? And at the time, my friends were like, Steven, you could do anything. You've got a great network back then. Yeah. You know, you can sell. You've got, you've got a good personality. You want you to get into sales. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, let's do it. Okay. I'm going to, I made an appointment for like 100 bucks or 50 bucks for a resume writer. I never had a resume before. I had one job in my life when I was 16, telemarketing, <laughs> because I wanted to go Boxing Day shopping. Nice. I worked for three months, 
blew my checks, never worked again for anyone else, right? Yeah, yeah. I wish I had more experience working under other people. Probably it would have helped my being a boss. Mm-hmm. But so now I'm like, I need a resume. I'm going to apply to Future Shop. I'm going to be the best damn computer salesman I can be. Let's go. I'm going to kill it. Let's go. Yeah. Making six figures, selling computers. <laughs> Way better than selling rave tickets. I can't do this. Steady right? income. I'm Parents done. are happy. That's it. Parents <laughs> are happy. I'm making money. Let's do this. I, I, I'm, I'm going to enjoy this. I like computers. You know what I mean? At the time, whatever. <laughs> this is what the plan was. Let's go with it, right? As I'm having the appointment to go to the, do this resume, I get an email from Tiesto's agent. Mm-hmm. Say, hey, we'd like to come through Canada uh, for a Canadian tour. Mm-hmm. This is 2007. There are no arena shows. There's no major EDM on the radio. This is a different time, right? Mm-hmm. And I've never done anything outside of hockey ring. So I'm like, where do you want to go? Like, listen, we're only playing proper venues, convention centers, arenas, like bigger shows. We need to fit two, 3,000 people. I'm like, okay. I'm like, wow, what is the show going to cost? I can't say the number, but it's the biggest amount of money I've ever seen paid on a DJ. I'm like, this is insane. Sure. Nowadays, it's nothing compared to what we're paying. But I'm like, wow, I don't have the money to do this. For one, this is an amazing opportunity. I'm not actually, like, I just told myself, my parents, I'm going <laughs> to quit doing this. And then now I'm going to have Tiesto offered to me. I'm like, I'm the hugest Tiesto fan. Yeah. So of course I go and do the party. I don't have the money, so I have to borrow the money, from, right? From banks from, or from no? There ain't no <laughs> banks borrowing me money back then. Even now they're not borrowing me money. Um, but um, so it's from friends, right? I'm like, listen, I got this opportunity. They're like, yeah, hell yeah, let's do it. Wow. We'll, we'll borrow you the money. I'm like, well, too easy. So now from there, I landed my first major sponsor, Heineken. I'll never forget that. Red Bull. They just came into the city. They had a major sponsorship. I'll never, I'll never forget that. That's why, I'm, that's why I'm very loyal to Red Bull because they were there from the very beginning. Yeah. Heineken from the very beginning. I always want to work with them if I can. So, um, And the event did amazing. It did great. And then from there, I was like, okay, this is now, we're out of the, we're out of the darkness. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. We're, out of, we're not lying anymore. We're in the Winnipeg Convention Center. We got Heineken on the flyer. This is it. Like, this is great. So I guess I'm now throwing parties again, <laughs> right? Get back at it. Funny enough, at the same time, I think I think this is the same time I'm playing poker. Okay. So I consume myself with poker for like two yep. years. This is when poker is just getting hot. This is 2006, 2005. Like you're a big poker player. Probably. Yes. So I get into it. Okay. I got I would set up. I've got poker rooms set up. I've got I'm running tournaments. I'm playing online. I got two <laughs> laptops going. Wow. And from there, I take my poker winnings and I open a restaurant, another restaurant on Corden. Okay. So now I'm doing Tiesto big shows. I have this restaurant on Corden. That lost money as well. I think that's probably why I want to get the resume. But then we're all, this all ties in together. Like, so at least I know that I have all these little things going on. So now I'm like, maybe I'll keep playing poker and kind of do hustles. And I've, I've got these mainstream shows. From there, I started working with other clubs. And I realized that, you know, maybe the mainstream clubs and the mainstream of big events and concerts is where I need to go. And maybe the promoting is still right, right? But, but whatever it is. So, then, so I've got the poker thing going. I've got this restaurant that became a disaster later on. Again, another too many restaurants, too many disasters. Um, but now, and then I've got, you know what? I'm not, I'm not going to become a salesman. I'm going to keep going. I'm going to try again, mm-hmm. going and legitimate, like being a legitimate promoter, yeah, doing yeah. different things, right? And this is when we're doing like Lady Gaga and like all these other shows, like long time ago. Like we've done, I've started doing all these club events, you know, mm-hmm. these, but they weren't like big, 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 big budgets, like five grand, 10 grand, you know, for, okay. for an act. They're all upcoming acts, right? Sure. So we're doing shows at the Centennial Concert Hall now, and eventually this fast forward to 2008 now, where I'm doing shows with the Jabberwockies, and we're doing shows with Girlicious, and like this. so these are like different acts. They were hot at the time, so now I'm doing promotion, but they're no, I'm no longer doing raves. Yeah, yeah. Right. So, but it was being becoming successful. And it was working. Uh-huh. But again, 
same trap. Some shows hit, some shows don't. And after a few years, I'm like, this is not right. I sit there and I have a, a club that's full. And I'm like, man, I made 300, I made 300 bucks or I lost a thousand bucks. The club's busy. The club made 20 grand. I'm like, I'm like, oh, well, Eureka. I'm like, well, I got to like, now. This is what I need to do. I need to own the club, yeah. right? So the goal now is like, I got to open my own club. Mm-hmm. And then 2009, that's when I opened up uh, my first club, Republic. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of like, that was kind of the big springboard to doing everything. That's kind of like, you know, all the other clubs kind of fall kind of kind of followed suit from there i want to go back a little bit um how did tiesto's manager know of you like why 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 do you think he reached out to you specifically um i think because back then and it still it still applies now there's only a few guys in each city that are doing events right so if i'm the guy doing rays for five six seven years now right so seven years yeah yeah. they're gonna reach out to see oh this guy's been doing a lot of parties we need a guy on the ground you know we need a guy that's gonna help promote this party who do we have? So they'll go to each city and I guess they had, they had known me through other shows or talked to other agents. Okay. So they wanted to, again, they, that's the, they, it's, that's what I was the guy to kind of contact to deal with the show. Right. Yeah. So it was awesome. That means that mean that probably means your name was spread, not only just in Winnipeg, cause it has to get out somewhere. Right. Yeah. I mean, I'll be honest with you back then I would, I could have told you all the names of all the promoters okay. doing stuff across Canada sure. because there's only a few of us. You know what I mean? Let's say there's okay, two or three guys in every city. One guy generally is kind of doing, making the most noise. Uh-huh. So we reach out once in a while. We talked, you know, I know the guys in Edmonton. I still know them, you know, in Edmonton and Calgary yeah. in, in Vancouver in Toronto. So these major markets, we kind of like, there's tours. So, so, so Tiesta would work with all of us, you know, yeah, each yeah. city, right? To say, oh, yeah. Okay. Makes sense. And then also I want to touch on the first sponsor as well. Yeah. Heineken. What was the call like? Did they call you up? Was, Did you yeah. have to call them and the excitement after? I honestly can't remember how they linked, but I'm pretty sure Heineken was already on board with Tiesto oh, in okay. Europe. Okay. So it was an easy transition. Like, listen, you guys are doing the Canadian tour. I remember the meeting actually was a tavern rooftop. His name was Paul. And it was, it was, it was cool just to sit down and like, this is all new, right? I yeah. mean, like, this is, we're, we're with Heineken. We want to do this, what we want to do. Logo here. We want to have uh, only beer available is going to be Heineken. Awesome. You know, yeah. like, so it taught me a lot of how things work. And fast forward now, we've got like way more different sponsors, right? And uh-huh. it's just, it's cool to see like, you know, back then that they believed in it, you know, like right. that's, that's the best, you know, when, when it's not the easy thing to buy into when you believe in it, that's the, what you really got to appreciate it. Right. And sometimes you only need one, right? Like you, once you got that, I'm sure hundred percent. Like, okay, now I can get another. And funny one. enough, after that, you're right. Once you once you get Heineken and you have Red Bull, everyone else is like, you, again, you just legitimizes what you're doing. Now we're not just guys throwing raves in these mm-hmm. warehouses, right? You're actually a concert promoter, and mm-hmm. from there, that's how you get all these other shows. You know. Mm-hmm. Okay. So now, clubs start. Republic's huge. You Republic's guys just said huge. you got you guys just had your 20 year anniversary. Well, Sound Republic is my promotion company, okay, okay. right? So it used to be called Soundwave Entertainment. Now it's now called Sound, Sound Republic. So I've been doing throwing parties since. September 30th, 2000, 22 years. Okay, okay. Republic is the, and I clearly love the word Republic. So I call it <laughs> Sound Republic and Republic. So Sound Republic started in 2007. Okay. Republic opened in 2009. Okay, so Republic's the club. Republic's the club. Yeah. So we had already been working on um, different, I've been working with different clubs now since 2007 to nine doing shows. It just became the natural progression. I find it's funny because this progression happens to a lot of promoters across Canada. All the guys I talk about, uh-huh. rave promoter, concert promoter, club owner, restaurant owner. Like <laughs> it's just an evolution. Okay, okay. You know, real estate. It, it actually is funny because you can trace this pattern to almost almost anybody, unless promoting becomes a full time gig for you, right? Mm-hmm. But um, we're all kind of we're all kind of wired the same. We're all right. kind of crazy, right? Um, but then with two thousand so two thousand nine Republic, first club, and it was crazy. 
There's nothing like it. Honestly, we did it. We were doing a thousand people a night, um, Friday and Saturday. Wow. You know, we were open Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. We were very ambitious. We had a big, massive promo team, uh-huh. you know, and like I, I messaged and recruited everyone I could think of, you know, to be a part of the concept and first time hiring staff and training bartenders. And yeah, it's yeah. just, it was, we didn't know what that, I didn't know what I was doing. Like promoting for sure. Mm-hmm. Running a bar. No f-ing clue. Uh, None, you know, yeah. watching bar, bartenders stealing. I don't even know what's going on. You know, like I'm so clueless. Uh, right. So it was, it, was, it was a crazy lesson, you know, and it was, but it was a crazy three, four years. We did the amount of shows that went through that club. And I think I, I, I rarely, rarely use the word. I think it was legendary, you know, to have people go through there. Like the names I went through, like Skrillex, Tommy Lee and, Zed and LMFAO, Steve Aoki, the, the wall that we had on there, it's, it's, it's epic. You know, like very few people can say they've worked with those kind of names and celebrities that came through. We had Paulie D and, you know, Jesse Metcalf and it's all these random things, you know, we, yeah. we, we dealt, we booked everything, you know, again, it, that became the new addiction, you know, like who can we bring in? Who, <laughs> what's the next thing? You know, it's just like, there's always something, you know, like I got this club, I had to keep it busy and but from there I learned is like, I, I wasn't, I wasn't fully happy because I had, I was only committed to one spot. And you couldn't, you can't have any flexibility to be, you know, where do you want to be tonight? Like, I'm at Republic, you know, every weekend, same place. Cause I, I was the owner, right? Yeah, yeah. And that was kind of where I learned, like I need to be able to like, being a promoter offers a lot more flexibility to work with different people, have change of scenery once in a while, right? But Republic is home. I mean, it, it's, it's, it's the, one of the, probably the, the most important piece of what I've done in my whole life. So what was the process of setting everything up? Like, so you're the owner. Now, do you have people under you? Like, are those your friends? Are those people you found? And giving up that control is probably not easy. Yeah, no, but I mean, I still, I don't, I didn't give up control. I couldn't do that. I, but you bring a team that you need to trust their opinions and trust what they, what, what people are saying, right? I mean, uh-huh. Facebook's brand new at this time, you okay. know, and, and we're not brand new, but like very new. And sure. people were just starting to use it for, for, for events. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we have all these nights. So you grab, you recruit like five guys and they run the Friday, a couple other guys run the Saturday and. You just gotta have. Hopefully, they all can book enough birthdays and guest lists. And, and back then, there was no bottle service, but like just different groups that come through, right? So we were we were we traveled um, quite a bit to kind of research different clubs in Toronto, Vancouver, Montreal to see what was working. And little things that I saw when I left the club in Toronto, they would hand me a bottle of water, right? I'm like, oh, this, is, this is pretty damn That's cool, nice, yeah. you know? It's a, I'm like, what does this cost someone? Okay. So Republic Forever would handle hand out a bottle of water on the way out. Okay. Cases of water. Here you guys go. And no one does it now even, right? Yeah. But that small gesture, one, is it's great to have it. You know what I mean? And second, is just like, what did that cost you? That gesture is like, wow, this club's giving back. They care about us. Here you guys go. Mm-hmm. And no one's really done it since, you know? Yeah. Um, even just the way we promoted events and promoted shows and, you know, having birthdays and, and people's, people's name on their cards and champagne with free champagne. This was, it was something, it was very new sure. for what we were, for, for Winnipeg at the time. And, um, you know, I think, I don't think there's anything like it. And even until now, there's been nothing like that. Was there somebody that you followed? Like, w- was there a blueprint set out that you're like, Hey, I want to be like this maybe in Toronto or no, not, or not, not any club in particular, you know, like design wise, we grabbed a bunch of different design elements and ideas. And we've, I had flown out to Toronto with my designer and we just got a bunch of ideas that we liked and try to make it our own. Right. And it, it had yeah. its own identity. It's just, yeah, I'm extremely proud of that project, you know, yeah. how, how, like, how was it? Like, how did it feel? It was great. Uh, like, like, like I said, it was, it was, it was, it was tough because it, it was our first project. And it was very successful financially, yeah. you know, and, uh, we learned so much from it. Mm-hmm. You know, we learned you got to pay your taxes because you know, they're going to get it. So we learned that. And, uh, we didn't pay tax for the first couple of years, GSCP, but then the next couple of years, like we didn't make no money because we had to pay it all back. And we're like, okay, but now we learn again, yeah, yeah. accountant and lawyer, best <laughs> friend. Right. Um, but it was a great, again, it was a great time. And from there, it was from there that kind of opened up the other clubs, you know, mm-hmm. From there was opera, we opened, green room, 
mystique, rock bar, fame, um, prohibition. You know what I mean? And we, we wanted to do so many things and too many things, you know what I mean? And that's, you know, you, you can do anything. You just can't do everything, you know? And then you learn that the hard way, you know? Did you, did you stretch yourself? Too way thin? too thin, way too thin. And that's where things started kind of crumbling, you know? And mm-hmm. at a certain point when you're responsible for like five venues and, you know, 60 to 80,000 in rents and, and, and payroll and all these pressures and taxes and everything else. And it gets, it's, it's extremely overwhelming. You know what I mean? And you know, at the time, you know, you realize it's like, well, you're making money. It's not that bad. Yeah. But when a couple of things don't make money, now one's, one's paying the other and there's no money. Now it's just a lot of work and stress for no money. And it's crazy. When, when times are great, Republic's making money, it was easy. Yeah. When you lose a couple of things and you realize like it doesn't take much to, to lose track, to lose momentum and all of a sudden things start falling apart, you know? Mm-hmm. Very stressful. I mean, was there, I mean, uh, you guys also, I, I was searched up your name and there was an article of you guys getting like $20,000 was stolen as one of your yes. thing was that like those types of losses are definitely hard hitting correct um and what like you went into this you went into the club promotion scene or like owning a club because you yeah. thought like okay those guys are the ones making money yeah now you're in the club scene and you, you, as you open more you're making less and less money yes so, so what you, was that like <laughs> I think, I think, um, like, yeah, op- when in the beginning, I, I, I thought I want to open more business because I want to make more money. Yeah. Right. You think that. Yeah. But you don't realize that the reason why you're opening more businesses is probably because your ego wants to do more things and open more things. If you really want to make more money, you should make the one or two things you have do better. And I, one of my mentors that taught me after I, I went bankrupt, he's like, Steven, why did you open all these businesses? I'm like, I wanted to, I told him I wanted to make more money. He's like, really? Did you want to make more money? Like, you had this one business. Did you make, did you maximize what it could make? Is that the most that that business could have made? Uh-huh. I'm like, no, like, well, you didn't try to make it for it to make more money. Yeah. You just wanted to open another business. So you felt opening 10 businesses makes 10 times more money. You could put the same effort into one business. It'll make you five times more money. Uh-huh. But because you're thinking that opening more is going to make you more, it, it doesn't, it really doesn't. And I, I always stress to young entrepreneurs when I meet them, I'm like, listen, like, it's okay to do a lot of projects. We, a lot of guys have a lot of different projects, but mm-hmm. if you're the trigger and you're the driving force behind these projects, you cannot drive five projects at once. You know what I mean? You could probably drive two, maybe, sure. but to maximize success, you should be driving one. And now that's me. I'm preaching. Like I'm not, I'm guilty because I'm not still doing to this day. I won't do that. Yeah. But at least I know, I know exactly. I understand that now, right? I actually accept the fact that these projects are not going to get the full attention but I need to do them to keep myself motivated. You know what I mean? Keep myself energized. Were those some of the moments, like your lowest moments, you would say? Um, we can get into that. I'm going to get into that. So right. after all these clubs, um, me and Shiraz and a few other people, we opened a place called Rec Room. Yeah, yeah. This is 2013 now, right? So I've got about five, 10 investors. I, got this, I went to Toronto again for some more ideas. I'm like, you know what? I feel that clubs are dying down and we're going to get into the lounge phase mm-hmm. We're going to get into the sports room, interactive phase, ping pong bars, arcades are going to be hot. I feel that's the trend, right? And this was before the actual rec room now. Like, or, or I'm the actual. You're the actual one. <laughs> the Cineplex just took we are the, We're the yes. actual rec room. Funny enough, <laughs> I had registered the name rec room before Cineplex did. Okay. You know, like we opened the rec room. Rec room lounge. Yeah. Like the Instagram was ours, you know, okay. before they had the concept. Huh. Our concept was ping pong, arcades, video games, yeah, sports yeah. bar, everything under one roof. We were underfunded, underprepared, and it didn't work out. The idea was great, but that, that project 
killed, like destroyed, like myself, my family, a lot of investors, a lot of friends. And that, that, that project broke me. It destroyed my motivation, my energy, sense of humor. Nothing was funny. It was, it was the craziest thing to go through that kind of, that kind of depression. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I've never had to go through it again. Hopefully never to go through it again. But mm-hmm. it was just crazy that you could lose yourself. You're just lost. Why was that? Why? Just the disappointment of losing, you know, disappointing family and friends and just like how, how bad it went down. And it's it just because it was, should have, we, we got screwed over by a contractor and that I, that again, I, I trusted I shouldn't have. And then again, learning these lessons of like, I wish people could, I could help people not go through the mistakes I went through. You know what I mean? Cause they're painful and they're, they're definitely avoidable. And that loss, he screwed us over. So then I'm hiring other people and they were behind in the project. We're late on rent. And it just snowballs and it's, it, it, never, it never got the fight and chance that it deserved because the concept was great. Mm-hmm. Amazing. So yeah. much fun. It was a great hit. Just did not have the legs because we were underfunded, because we were ripped off by, the, by this contractor. It was just a snowball of a mess, you know? And, 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 and from there, my reputation was completely tarnished because I owed so much money to different people because I couldn't pay different things because I'd lost so much. People don't understand how much the loss was. Mm-hmm. And from there, you just know, well, you can't pay staff, you can't pay this, you can't pay that. And all the other projects collapse now because the, the money is needed to maintain the other one because you don't want to lose it. And, you know, cutting your losses, it's just, it's, it's the hardest, it's probably one of the hardest things to do for an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. Realizing like, you know what? This is not going to work. Losing a hundred grand is better than losing 500 grand. But you know, because we're entrepreneurs and we're forever optimistic, mm-hmm. we believe that it'll work out. You know, sometimes you just need to like, punch yourself in the face and realize and t- just take the loss. Mm-hmm. And now I'm like, you know what? If I lose, I'm like, you know what? It's done. Lose. We're done. I don't I try. No one's ever going to be perfect, but yeah. learning that lesson was an important one. Very important one. And just like, how long was that period of time? There's a two year dark period of like losses in there. And so I didn't do anything for a while. Um, and then basically I just didn't want to work. I came back to be a promoter, strictly a club promoter. I own nothing. Uh-huh. So I went completely broke, beyond broke. And, um, I started being just a club promoter, just okay. for fun. No overhead. Mm-hmm. Your job is to bring out people. You get paid from that. Why would you, why, why'd you want to go back? Like, I didn't have a choice is what uh, I knew, you, right? You needed- I didn't even know it was going to work. Uh-huh. You know? and, but then, uh, and I was the funny, the project was uh, Ordinary Fridays. And uh, we did it at Boa Lounge. I don't know if you remember Boa, if you've heard of it. I've heard of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah so yeah. Boa Lounge is in the exchange. Ah. It was a really hot club on Saturday nights. And they didn't, they were, in, my good friend Sam owned it. And their Friday nights weren't that busy. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so there's like, can you do Fridays? I'm like, sure. And then fast forward three to six months in the project, Fridays was busier than Saturdays. Mm-hmm. So then again, I felt I had the skill to make a room busy um, just through promoting, not having to own it, not having to book a show. Mm-hmm. I'm just doing club events now. This is a brand new, this is a whole new business now, right? So that was, that was kind of like my entry into being a club promoter where I still am now, you know? So I like to find rooms that are, have maybe a slow Wednesday or a Friday or a Sunday. And I come in and I come, we come up with a concept and we bring, bring in the team and then we just try to make the night busy. Mm-hmm. And then, like, as far as that dark period, what what I get from the story, and especially talking to you now, like, yeah. it's, you did come back, though, right? It's, you're here now, you and you're, you're successful, you're yeah. really doing these events, but I'm sure there's a bunch of people out there who had major losses, but then just stopped there. Yeah, and that, I want to say that's, that's, that's the difference between most entrepreneurs is the, is the willingness, the will to get up again, right? I mean, I lost it for a bit, yeah. to be honest with you, but, but now, like, you, you kind of lose belief in yourself and what you're doing, you know? There have been a lot, that was a big loss, but there have been a lot of wins, too. Sure. Sometimes you forget, you know, 
sometimes you forget the wins because you're so dark and you're so sad about it, right? But now I now I feel like I try to keep things, you know, I try to minimize risk now. That's the main thing. You know, don't put, don't do heavy risk, low overhead. That's what I've learned mm-hmm. and all that. I don't want to take on, I hate paying rent now. I hate paying payroll. I don't want to sign any leases. Mm-hmm. I'm happy to be a contract worker, help people consult. How can we all make money together without having to put out too much money and risking our livelihood, risking our lives, you know? So that's just my, my new business mindset. I asked Shiraz this as well. Um, in that moment, did you think there was a moment you would never get out of it? 100%, for sure. And then yeah. the follow-up question is why or how and how did you combat with that? Like if you're thinking these thoughts, what is pushing you to keep going? People, your people around you. Mm-hmm. My good friend, Little D, you know, rest in peace, he passed away, but he, he told me, he's like, we love you, Steve. We believe in you. You know, so you got to keep going. I'll never forget it, honestly. Damn. Yeah, no, I, I remember. I remember going up in the club at Boa actually, and uh, I was still depressed at this time. I'm lost all this money, I'm, yeah. but I'm club promoting. But it was, we're successful. I remember a guy came up to me. He's like, Stephen, you don't look happy. You're not just you're not just himself. Wow. I just want to say like, we appreciate you, what mm-hmm. you do. It meant it meant the world. It yeah. keeps me going. Damn. Wow, <laughs> that, that does give me chills. Like yeah, <laughs> no, like the, my I, I'm so grateful for my support system. Uh-huh. Beyond grateful, and, the, and it's it's crazy that. You went through all of that, and you're still a, you're still fighting. I'm fighting. Like, I think it's for me. Have, I'm happy. Yeah, I'm happy. Exactly. I'm positive. I've gotten out of that, and now I'm more appreciative than ever. Mm-hmm. And I you love people more than ever. You know, learn things. I've too. learned so much. Mm-hmm. It's been. I've lived five lifetimes. Uh-huh. Honestly, I feel like I wow. feel like I'm so blessed with that the experience that I've that I've had, uh-huh. the wins, the losses, everything. I'm just so grateful for all of it. Mm-hmm. I think one thing that we mentioned at the very end of your episode last time was all the artists. Yeah. Right? Can you speak on the artists and what that dynamic was like? Because, you know, some of the artists that we look up today, like, you know, some of the Drakes, the J. Coles, uh, LMFAO, all those people, those are like some of our idols, yeah. or, and my, my personal idols. And for you to even just have the opportunity to work with those guys, what was that like? Especially when those guys were just starting off. Yeah, you know, it's cool. Like, I remember how meeting J. Cole and how cool he was, how nice he was. Yeah. This is way new. Like, this is 300, 400 person club show, you know, like how humble and he's such a nice guy, you know, like even like some guys we take out and some celebrities, they're like, it's, it's, it's eye opening when a celebrity comes to win and be like, well, Steven, like, you got a good life here. Yeah. Like, we're like, this is crazy. Like, well, you I got a good life. You got a great life. You know, <laughs> like, my life's not as great as people think. You know, like, I'm hanging out with you and seeing your friends and what you're doing. And, this is cool. This is fun. This is nice. You know, and they're, everyone's so real. You know, you realize like your celebrities are like, you put them on a certain pedestal, but they're just, they're just like all of us, you know I mean? They're going through the struggles and they, you know, but they getting to know them. It's, it's, it's been fun to see like some guys are how nice they are. Like Tiesto, the nicest Egypt I've ever met. Mm-hmm. You know, we, he, we had a bomb threat. We're in the car. He's like, when can I get back in? I'm like, we just had a bomb there. He's like, I don't care. I just want to DJ. Let's go. I want to, I want to, I want to play. Like, like, let's go back in. I'm like, wow. I went to visit him in Costa Rica in 2010 or something like that. He's like, get on stage, on stage. He's like, we're doing shots together on stage. And, you know, we're going backstage. And it's just, just a genuinely nice guy. And he cares and loves about, he cares about what he does. He loves people and he's genuine, you know, and it's nice to see that. And then there's the opposite. Sometimes you meet a celebrity, you're like, wow, you're just a, like, I don't want to work with you again. And it's just funny. It's just, it turns into just business, right? And, you want to work with people that you love and it's, it's, it's cool to see these people and it's fun to meet all these people. And I think it's probably, again, my only regret 
probably one of my few regrets and not even the losses I regret mm -hmm. is not taking pictures with everybody and having memories. Cause when I'm old and like, things are gone, I'm not gonna, I, I wouldn't even, I couldn't even, no one's going to believe I had, I did, I did a tour with Drake. You know what I mean? No one's going to believe I met Lady Gaga. No one's going to believe I don't have a picture. I'm yeah. just talking. You know what I mean? <laughs> Yeah, we, you could be making it uh, up. Yeah, I could be making know? it up. You know what I mean? You know, who would know? You couldn't prove me wrong. You know what I mean? I guess so. But you've had those experiences, right? And and your track record speaks for itself. Yeah, no, like I said, I, yeah, of course, I, of course, I'm not, I'm not bullshitting. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, course. but I mean, like, yeah, it, it'd be nice to have those memories. Sure. You know, when you know, when you when you hang it up eventually, if I, if I ever retire, you know, I've, and I've given that up too. You know, like mm -hmm. I used to, I used to quit promoting, quit or retire every two three years because I was just too much. Yeah. Now because it's not what fuels me or what is the what pays my bills it's what you know keeps my creative juices flowing keeps you keeps thinking keeps thinking fun you know what i mean so um i'll just keep doing it for as long as i can and when the time stops it stops but for until then i'll just keep having fun you know and those artists were coming to winnipeg because there's i was reading another article because you've got so many articles right now i was going back through the facebook <laughs> and everything and it said like uh one of the headline was like the person responsible for bringing musical artists to winnipeg yeah. And that, that was like back in like 2009 or something. Like, yes. Compared to other people in the Winnipeg at the time who were just, you know, doing regular jobs, nothing wrong with that. To them, you may, you were the celebrity in their eyes, right? They're seeing you doing. Yeah, I never looked at it that way, but they're yeah. They're seeing you hanging yeah. out with, you know, in these clubs with Drake, with all these, yeah. <laughs> you know, to them, you're the person who brought the music scene to Winnipeg. Yeah, I, I've, gone to, I've never been the kind of guy that wants his face to be seen. I'm more, I want, I just want my voice to be heard. You know what I mean? I want to make, I want to make an impact, but I never wanted to be at the forefront of this stuff. Mm -hmm. But, uh, one of my other partners at the time, he's like, Steven, you need to like, you need to be, get out there more. Like you're the brand. You are the, you're the guy making these happen. People need to see you. So it's not just like, there's a lot of people throwing concerts that people don't know. It's just a nameless, faceless corporation. You know, put yourself out there. You're putting a lot of work out there and, and, and build your own brand. And I took that advice. I'm like, I try to, I barely do it now. I don't post on Instagram barely enough and like different things like that. And, you know, and that's why these podcasts are fun to kind of yeah. like, you know, keep things real. You know what I mean? Get, get, get the story out there. But I, I've never really attempted and put the effort out that I should to kind of put, put the story out there. You know what I mean? Were you always like that? Um, were you, what, why, why not put yourself out there? It feels good to get the recognition. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I think I've honestly I've been I've I've been an introvert and been shy most of my life. And it's crazy that you're you're the one. No, that's the, yeah. I did, it's, it, but it's the truth, you know. Like you would expect someone who's like crazy going and like let's go, but you know, yeah. even speaking. With you know, you, I'll like, be honest with you. When I when I look in when you look at the promoters that I met, the bigger ones are the shy guys. Really? You know what I mean? Like they were the we're like we're the shy, quiet, nice guys that we just kind of like talk and. We hang out and, you know, we're kind of kind of more chill. Like really loud, outgoing. I, I don't I even know that many uh -huh. crazy, loud, outgoing promoters. You know what I mean? It's weird. It's so contrary. Like, you know, yeah. people would think, and even myself, I would think, oh, you know, if you're in these. Yeah, like, no, 100%. It's, mm -hmm. it's a weird thing. Let's talk about, so after the club's done, right? You've done the clubs. You went through your uh, period of time. You bounce back. What's next, right? You You said you've opened thousands of businesses. hundred oh, sorry, sorry yeah, yeah. over a hundred businesses probably yeah businesses. Like, like i opened a restaurant actually funny enough back when the, back in my business opening spree uh -huh. in 2010 11 i opened a restaurant called deer and almond okay and um it was the, the best one of the best restaurants i say it's the best restaurant in winnipeg one of the top in canada sure. you know and my partner at the time was he's, he's, I'm so proud to be a part of that project right mm -hmm. but i wasn't involved in it you know what i mean it's one of those things where it's like do it to make money you know do it to be cool like uh, okay. i was just kind of like I want to be a part of building a project. That project's amazing. I'm super proud of being a part of it. 
but it wasn't, I can't take the credit for it. You know what I mean? And opening all these businesses is fun and great and opening so many, but now I just want to do projects that I'm active and involved in that I really genuinely am passionate about. And I really feel that I can add value, you know, right. and then I want to be able to do something that I can, that I can scale and do it, do it as big as possible, you know, yeah. but at the same time, like, again, you have to enjoy the, you have to enjoy doing it. Mm -hmm. What were some of the businesses that either you registered and just never took off or oh i should have brought a list i don't even i don't <laughs> even know like i've registered probably like two three hundred domains you know what i mean website domains i've registered so many businesses by uh -huh. now um any any were they all like in a similar niche or were they all just everywhere oh honestly, I, 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 I w again i wish i'd prepared to Sorry. kind of list it off what i've done i probably should put together like this kind of resume but like again i've done i've done printing and t-shirts i've done and merchandise i've done mm -hmm. restaurants like sports bars all these different clubs and um What's what's one that you wish had worked out? Rec room is always that one I I feel like I wish it, wish would work out the way it should have you know, uh -huh. for sure. You know, it went so bad, but it had the most potential. You know, like and, and again, that concept is everywhere now. Imagine Cineplex Rec Room is everywhere. Imagine these guys did it right. They got twenty million a building, and they do it the right way, right? But you can still do a scale back fund version of that. There's still ping pong bars in other cities, and yeah, I mean that's a that's a big one for sure. I wish I could go back and do it right. Mm -hmm. Um. Honestly, I'm drawing a blank. I can't even think of all the th things that we've done. I'm just I had a clothing store, that couple clothing stores back in the day too. That was a disaster. Oh my God, learning that. And you know, you, th you think that everything kind of applies. Every business is so unique. I have so much respect for every business owner, uh -huh. no matter what they do. If they're grinding and doing it and they're good at it. No matter what it is, they have a skill that's unappreciated. You know what I mean? And, and, and it's not easy. Is there like a through line between all the businesses that you can pinpoint that be like this is the reason whether it be like hiring staff paying rent um anything that through think, line that connects all the businesses um like connects them in a way like how they all operate i mean i think end of the day is like i mean i'm a marketing guy but i think marketing mm -hmm. understanding having a good product and then obviously every, everything is through sales and marketing mm -hmm. and branding sure. if i've seen so many times people have a really good product the branding and marketing is not there. And I feel bad. I'm like, man, it's just getting the, it's the forever marketing brain. Like, I wish I could change your logo and help you out with marketing. This place would be really, I just went to a sushi restaurant. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to name it. Okay. The food was unbelievable. Okay. But it was probably the most underwhelming restaurant I've ever been in. Okay. And the logo wasn't good and the branding wasn't there. And if that guy was put into the right team, mm -hmm. he's going to do millions and millions in sales. Mm -hmm. For sure. The food was unbelievable. Yeah. And I've seen the opposite subpar product, unbelievable branding, yeah. great marketing, killing it in sales, you uh -huh. know? And that's what I'm saying is like, that passion is important, but you gotta have all these pieces. You gotta be able to make it go. You know what I mean? Like you gotta be good at it, but you gotta understand how to grow a business, you know? I'm just, I'm still stuck on the point that how you're the rec room and now Cineplex has the rec room. Yeah. How, how's that work? Like, I, if I'm, you've already I'm so curious. If you've no, I lost it, right? Okay. I'm so curious what would happen if I had killed this rec room concept and Cineplex in Toronto was like, we got this crazy idea. They're on this board. We're going to call it rec room. They're like, we got this guy in Winnipeg <laughs> that's like blocked us from using this name. So where would they have, what would they have done? I don't even know, was right? It, it, it wouldn't is, be called rec room. Is that a coincidence or do you think there's like something? <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't, but, here's the, but like I said, here's the thing. I saw the trend. They saw the trend, yeah, right? So, but, but right? Right. So, yeah, so the timing. Yeah, I know. I mean, like, I don't. I don't know. It's, <laughs> I, I'll be honest with you. I was surprised the name was available. Yeah. Now, how was at Rec Room Lounge, RecRoomLounge.com available at the time for me to take it? No one had a Rec Room Lounge in North in the world, North America. Like, so I was already surprised it was available, right? Mm. So, 
you know, that concept, it clearly is where people are going. Sure. If you look at nowadays too, back then clubs were so hot, so popular. And now small lounges, sports bars, you know, rec- recreational activities, huh. all these bars that have games in them, you know, they have, they have like different things, like different activities and board yeah, yeah. games because people now are looking to be more engaged with their friends, doing more active stuff. It's not just about drinking and partying. Those mega clubs are all gone now. For the, most of them are gone. So there's only a few left standing, right? So now it's about having things to do with your friends, you know, and playing games. Mm-hmm. I, want, I also want to touch on marketing as well because I, we, we touched on a previous episode a little bit, but you... You started out handing flyers, yeah. right? Putting on cars. What was the introduction of social media, and how did that uh, play? It was a role? great. You know, it was, it was social media was fun. You know, we we would be inboxing people back in the day for their birthdays, and we'd look for their upcoming birthdays, and like, here, here's your birthday coming up. Copy paste. Here's a message. Come celebrate with us. And we do this for years, and that was our promoting method until everyone started doing it. Then we had something new. But social media made our job, I wouldn't say easier. Okay, I, I would say it would it would made it, it made it. It was, it was, you could stay home and do it at least. You know what I mean? It was a little bit different. Sure. Back then to promote, you have, you have some online forums, but you'd have to be out. You'd have to go see people, different activities. I'd have to go to all the events to promote the next event. Yeah. So it was really important to have flyers at the previous party to promote the next party. Mm-hmm. Now, it's just so, everything's so accessible. Social media made everything a little bit easier in that way, but then it made everything more cluttered, right? Yeah, it was like just, a lot of, there's that. a lot of noise. You know what I mean? Like you guys must see like, Every club promoter is posting stuff, posting stuff, yeah. different events, different concerts, socials. It's, it's overwhelming for most people. And a lot of people actually just tune it out. Mm-hmm. So you still have to find new ways to kind of get their attention, right? You find ways to stand out. You have to stand out. No matter what. No matter what, you have to be able to stand out. Yeah, similar to what you did back then. Like you were like, oh, no one, nobody's doing as many volume of flyers we are okay let's stand out by doing this yeah what can we do differently right yeah. let's do a bigger flyer you know like <laughs> honestly there was a certain point where it was getting stupid if we're doing parties like oh this guy's got a little flyer my flyer my flyer opens up my flyer is now four is a twofold my flyer now is, is this big and it, it got like that my yeah. flyers are so big this is ridiculous we we're it's like the we, bigger flyer the bigger flyer because the bigger flyer meant a bigger party maybe right yeah. we got cooler stuff so Again, that was that was how we would flex back then. You know, who can have the bigger, crazier flyer? You know, yeah. who would burn more money on paper? <laughs> how much money do you think you'd spent on like just promotion before the event? Every event's different. You know, you want to you want to spend at least 20 percent of your budget into marketing. That these are things that you learn now, right? Mm-hmm. But I mean, back then is hard to say. We didn't spend much. It was all print. You know, back then all we did was print flyers. So yeah. it's just uh, now it's all social media ads, right? Okay. As far as continuing, because you. You know, let, let, I think we talk about summer sound as well because yeah. that's your that's my baby that, that's your thing that's my right? baby yeah that's you, my baby talk about like the inception of summer of sound so in 2012 or 20, 2012 2011 I did Steve at the convention center okay. and we just sold out Republic a thousand people right and it was like holy we gotta do something crazier Steve bring Steve Aoki back let's do a bigger show and I'm like you know what this is before I would even see many festivals you know I'm like what if we did like Steve Aoki with two, three other DJs and made it like a bigger event where it's not just one headline DJ with locals, right? And at the time, we didn't call it a festival. Yeah. So I did the event, Steve Aoki, Hyper Crush, Dev with some local talent, sold out the convention center. It was his biggest show ever at the time wow. in his career. It was 3,000 people. And he was like, oh, this is amazing. He couldn't, he couldn't, he couldn't believe it. He was blown wow. away by it, right? In from Winnipeg. there, I had, I had a really good relationship with in Winnipeg, yeah. <laughs> and from there, we, we formed a really strong relationship. I booked him in Ottawa for his first gig in Ottawa. I was the first promoter to put him on a private jet. You know, like, so we, we did shows all the time together, yeah, right? Yeah. And so the year after that, the CBOK success, I'm like, you know what? Maybe we need to try like an outdoor event, you know? 
And again, like, you know what? Winnipeg needs an outdoor party. You know, and Winnipeg <laughs> needs, <laughs> that's it. So Winnipeg needs an outdoor party, but with multiple DJs. It was like in May or April. And we're like, we should do this party. We'll do it in June. Yeah. What's the name going to be? You know, like Summer of Sound. Like, oh, it sounds cool, it's right? Name, yeah. It's going to be a pretty good name. I actually saw a flyer for an event online called Sound of Summer. I saw that too. And I'm I like, you know what? Too. I'm like, no, I no. So I'm like, Summer too. of Sound is sounds much I better. Do. We're going to run with that. And the flyers back then, where flyers are, I think they're pretty bad, you know? But, <laughs> but I mean, like at the time we thought they were amazing, you know? It's funny like, how things and styles like change, right? Yeah. Whatever. And we put on this event last minute. It's at the Adrenaline Adventures. We find this venue. I lose like a pile of money. Again, and I'm like, I'm like, why did I do this? You know what I mean? Like, well, I just made money on Steve Aoki. Now I just lost this money in this festival, summer or something. But I'm like, you know what? I was so excited about it, the potential of it. And at that same time, you, if you look back at all the festivals in Canada, all the ones that are happening, very few will go back before 2013. So we were one of the first yeah. people doing it just because we knew that was a trend, right? Mm -hmm. And now there's two or three outdoor festivals in every city happening at least minimum. You know, it's like Toronto is like oh, 10, yeah. 20, right? Oh, yeah. But we felt we were onto something. You know, people, we've been going, we've been in warehouses for all these years. <laughs> then we went into these arenas. Then we went into these clubs. Let's take the party outside. And then that, that is where now you see all these different events. You know, like this outside is just where it's at and people have the most fun. It's all day party. And it's just a happy experience, you know? And it's, and it's I call it my babies because it's from 2013 of losing money and then for, till now, I'm just helping and seeing how it how it's grown exactly, yeah. and to be able to create something that I feel that will be a part of the city and its culture for years to yeah, come. Absolutely. You know what I mean? And 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 that's something to be very proud of. You know, it's not easy to do, and and longevity is difficult. You know, like doing one party, easy, losing money, whatever. You know, making a couple bucks, cool. But to build something over now, it's been eight year eight times doing it over the past nine years. Could be lots of years of COVID, right? Mm -hmm this being the eighth time, it's, it's, it's to, to keep going, to keep building, to keep growing. It, it takes a lot of dedication and you really have to be passionate about it and believe in it, right? So, you know, now we've got tons of sponsors, you know, it's, it's amazing to see people coming out and sales are the biggest they've been ever for this year, you know, and it's just, it's just, it's, I'm just so proud of the project. What, is it fulfilling? Does it feel Extremely good? Extremely fulfilling, you know, and, and, the, and the best part of it is like, it doesn't, it doesn't, the make, it making money is not what, is what yeah. fuels me, you know what I mean? I have, jobs now that pay my bills that I can keep working at. Right. Mm -hmm. And, but this project is something that we can build and just keep building and growing. And it's going to become, and it's already, I know it's already something special, but I already see what the plan we have for next year and the year after that, mm -hmm. I see where it's growing and be, I'm even more excited about it. No, exactly. I mean, I'm not a huge like party goer, but in high school, one of the, one of the major events for the summer was summer of sound. Like I awesome. didn't know much about it, yeah. but I know I, the, the name was recognizable. Yeah. It's like, okay, there's, there's a group of my friends, they go there, they do something. It was similar to like Folk Fest or some of the other, yeah. some of the other. And so it's great to see that like, that is a staple. And I, I truly agree with what you're saying. It's going to be for a while. Yeah. And those projects that you have, the, and Winnipeg has, they're really, Winnipeg's awesome for summer events. You know, yeah. we have, we have Country Fest, we have Folk Fest, we have Super Spike, mm -hmm. we have all these different events. They're all in a row. You know yeah. what I mean? So it's like a gauntlet of festivals, one after the other. And Summer of Sound is in, in that mix now, you know what I mean? It's, it's awesome. We need a Coachella. That's what we need. I'll be, and again, I, the one of the few things on my bucket list as a promoter to create yeah. is a Coachella type event Ooh. for Manitoba, right? And we've, we've, we're very close to pulling it off. You yeah. know, I want, I want to imagine like, imagine Tiesto with Red Hot Chili Peppers and Snoop Dogg, <laughs> you know, three days, five stages, 
yeah. art exhibitions, you know, like 25, 30,000 people, you know, that is the dream. That yeah. is the ultimate dream for what I can do in my career. Then that is the one thing that I feel that's missing. Will I ever do it? I don't know. Do you know what I mean? If it happens, great. If not, I won't lose sleep over it. Mm. I do believe Manitoba can sustain. I do believe that that's what's missing in, this, in the city. Winnipeg needs it, <laughs> right? But it is, it is something that all of Canada, North America would come to. You know what yeah, I mean? We have one of, of the best fringe fests in, in North America. We have one of the best folk fests in North America. Mm-hmm. Con- our country fest is one of the best. There's no reason why that can't be there. And I know that people can sustain it. I know I can see for myself. I know that it's worked with hip hop events. I've done the EDM course, events, right? Yeah. So we know rock works. You know, what's missing? So if there's a $10 million investor out there, let me know. Hit me up. <laughs> you give us a couple of years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I hope so. 100%. Come right back that's it. Hell yeah. That's it. 204 Rise Festival. <laughs> Snoop Dogg. Let's love go. It. I love it. I, I love the idea of the Winnipeg needs. And I think subconsciously, that's what we also did as well. 100%. You know, with, with, yep. this, with this podcast. What do you think's missing now? Like, there's... I can make a list as well. A, but it's like, a never-ending list, you know? And... and and that's okay. Yeah. That, that's, that's always going to be there. That opportunity is always going to be there because everything makes money. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? But is it the right time to do it? You know what I mean? Yeah. I can make a list of things that I'd love to see here, mm-hmm. but it just won't work. You know, yeah. not yet. You know, right. not, not yet or never because it doesn't fit in the city, you know? Mm-hmm. And sometimes you, you can't, you can only try to put it in that round peg in the square hole so for so long, right? But you have yeah. to be, you know, honest about it what's going to work what's not going to work but i'm always looking for new ideas you know i can't oh that's how my brain's wired i can't help myself to like travel to like a city and be like well man we should do this in winnipeg i'm like no yeah. no don't do it steven we don't <laughs> need it we don't need it that badly why 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 you keep coming back to winnipeg like why is winnipeg so deeply rooted within yourself because there's people who would see that like oh look because toronto w- done winnipeg it. has given me, me so much no and then and then and that's the mentality is like I, I do believe, there was a long time where I believed like, you know what, I'm successful because it's Winnipeg. Mm-hmm. I do believe, and it's arrogant as this may sound, a lot of the promoters like myself across Canada, if you put us in LA, yeah. we would have became EDC and so on. We would have became a bigger promoter. Yeah. We are, we are, there's a ceiling on what where you can, what you can grow in your own city, you know? Yeah. And that's because you're limited with, with, with income and people. Yeah. At the same time though, I feel so blessed with the people that have been here to support me. Mm-hmm. I don't want to leave that behind. I want to, I want that. I want, I want that support system. I want to be there. I want to give back and I want to feel that love forever. Mm-hmm. Where am I going to, again, why would I need to leave? Is it for money? You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm not driven by money. So why am I leaving? Where am I what, to make more friends? I got more friends than I wish I had more time for my friends. I feel guilty. I don't even have the time to put into the friendships that I have. Uh-huh. So why would I leave? I'm leaving to try to make more money, to see new things. I can travel. My goal is to make as much money as I can now, take care of my family, yeah. be able to travel and really do as much as I can for Winnipeg until the day I die. I think you've already done a large I amount. I appreciate that. And, you know, I, you deserve your props, you know, um, especially like I'm so, like, I feel so weird that we didn't know all this information the first time we met <laughs> that, you. That is the best part of it. You know what I mean? Like, because, because I didn't realize that you didn't know. Oh, you know what I mean? Because that's generally, I get asked, to, I get used to have to do a lot of interviews back in the day with students all the time with different uh-huh. events. Cause they would see like Drake, Oh, you're doing the show, this concert. I want to be a part of that. Yeah. And you had caught on together again. Right. The reason was yeah. one of my friends went, yeah, she, she went to the event and she was posted a video and I was like, yo, this, this is cool. cool. <laughs> I want to know who did it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that was the only glimpse I knew of you. Yeah. Even when we scrolled through your social media, there was like, okay, there's some stuff there. But again, you said you took no photos of people. So yeah, no you wouldn't even barely know. I had no yeah. idea. You barely know. And, and it's it's funny because I did a I did a I did um 
like a survey, a question in on my Instagram a couple oh. of days, uh, last week. You know, what's your favorite event of mine in the past 20 years? Yeah. And you had a lot of people say stuff like, oh, um, you know, Transformers 1 and the first Tiesto or different things, you know. Those are events were 15, 20 years ago. Yeah. Then you had a bunch of people say like, Dr. Fresh, um, Together Again, uh-huh. events that just happen within a year, yeah. you know, and you realize, you know, the impact that you make, you don't ever, you don't know, you don't know who people were, people hear from you. You don't know the impact you made. You don't know if they even care about what you did 10 years ago. Mm. They're just so happy that you did the event three weeks ago, yeah. you know, and, yeah. and, that, and it's, it's, it's a great feeling. It's nice to know you can touch people and affect people in a positive way, mm-hmm. give them good memories, give them a good time, you know, whether yeah. it's been 20 years ago or whether it's been last weekend, you know, it's, it's great to see, you know, I, I, even in knowing the history of Winnipeg, yeah. you know, it, being in the space, you know, getting to meet people like you and, you know, the amazing people in Winnipeg. It's great to see what was, you know, yeah. what we don't know. You know, 100%. It, you weren't born yet. That's no, why. I, I had no idea, you know, and like, even you, personally, I'm like, oh, I know a lot about Winnipeg, but talking to people like you, I'm like, oh, I don't know anything. <laughs> there's so much more. Yeah, there's a lot. Because, I mean, you know what, these are just useless fun facts. You sure. know, it's kind of cool to see what's been done. And a lot of times it's, it hurts me sometimes when someone's like, you should bring this guy in. I'm like, I brought that Already guy did. in three years ago. Like, oh, like, I would love to see Armin. I'm like, I brought Armin in 2010. I lost like 20 grand on that show. I'm not bringing him back, you know? Like, or I wish, I mean, like, I wish we saw Steve Aoki. I brought him seven times here. But, you know, that's the idea. Like, people don't know they, that they've missed that already, right? But again, it's, it's hard to, no one's going to know everything about it. And I, and I, I like I said, I, I was, I was, I find it so fascinating that you guys didn't know. It was, I wasn't offended by it. I thought it was actually awesome. <laughs> Where do, you, where do you see the future of Winnipeg? Where, Winnipeg's in an interesting spot right what now. What are some trends? What are some things that you see? You know, we, we're going through this big patio phase right now with, you know, you know beer gardens and different pop-ups. And I kind of I jumped on that trend with Spring Hill. It's like Spring Hill Winter Park. I, I converted that into Spring Hill Park to like a dog and beer garden in the summertime. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of the trend because COVID, we couldn't do anything inside. So everyone's kind of doing all the cool stuff outside. Mm-hmm. Um, that's definitely the trend where everywhere, you know, I think games are still hot you know, activities, different things, different board games, going to the bar now and playing board games and playing different games is still, is, is, is still very, it's going to become even more popular, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, trends for nightlife. I think small shows, I, I, I like doing private events now, smaller parties uh-huh. and just uh, networking in a different way. I think people want, people want to go to events now, but they want to talk to people. Sure. I think that having the big loud room is, 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 is okay, but people really want to be able to connect now, you know, especially after COVID. We want to meet people and really, we actually really want to meet people. You know, yeah. we want to sit and talk, get to know people. And that's where my mindset's at too. Like I want to meet, I want to just not just meet someone in the club and like, hey, you want a shot, you want to drink, you know, mm-hmm. I've had those rela- relations with people for, for a long time. And I'm, I'm happy now if we go to a lounge and I'm promoting a lounge and we can sit down with people, get to know them, have a real conversation. Right. Mm-hmm. I'm just speaking for my, ju- like my group, my f- group, friend group. Are we going to see, like, some of these major artists in Winnipeg? Are we going to see Drake? Are we going to see, you know, Justin Bieber pull up? Are we going to see you gotta these remember, people? You got to remember the names you're saying. Uh-huh. And the reason why it's cool that I brought these people in is because they're big now. now yeah, yeah. There's a lot of names I brought in that didn't make it. They're exactly. gone. They're, 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 they're not anywhere now, right? Sure. So it's cool because we brought these guys on the come up. And J. Cole made it. Yeah. Lady Gaga made it, right? Are they coming back though? But the thing is, they're, they, they come back, it would be nothing to do with myself. It's not based on their uh, tour. They're so, those, these names we use as an example are so big. Mm-hmm. Like Drake, when Drake does a Canadian, Drake, Drake does a world tour, we're lucky if three if, cities get it. Yeah. You know, if Lady Gaga does a world tour now, Lady Gaga, we're lucky if she plays two Canadian cities, one Canadian city to get a stop. So will they come back to Winnipeg? I don't even think that's even something to, 
to even look at. I don't think it's possible. You know, what do we, what do we need to do? Like, not just you yourself, but like, what does Winnipeg as a city need to do to have that pull that these artists are like, you know what? I actually do want to go there. You know, I'm curious. I, I don't even have that answer. Jay-Z, Beyonce did their on the run tour, I think it was called, right? And they played at the, at the stadium. Yeah. Why did Winnipeg get that and not Edmonton? Why didn't, you know, another city? They didn't play every country, every city okay. in Canada. But there is a science behind it with touring. And they know for a fact when they play Toronto, how many people from Winnipeg oh, yeah. fly to Toronto. They know when we fly to Edmonton. We, they know all these numbers, right? So they don't need to come here. If we're flying out there, they're not going to come. We you know? need to make it. We need to, make, we need to do something as a <laughs> This city. is why 204 Rise Festival <laughs> needs to happen. And then you can bring these guys in yourself. You know what I mean? I love the way you're talking. <laughs> I love the way you talk. We definitely got to make that happen. Yeah. We got oh, yeah. to get bigger. We got we to gotta put some fuel behind there, it. I mean, the, the concert promotions is a massive, massive business. Mm -hmm. Massive business. And clearly it makes money. Concerts, concerts make money. Festivals make money. Yeah. You know? But they got to be managed properly and, you know, the marketing's got to be on point and budgets and, you know, who it's, I'll be honest with you, when you bring in acts like uh, Lady Gaga or Justin Timberlake, big, these big names, Justin Bieber, you don't make money on these shows, big money, because they're already big. They make the money, right? Yeah, but I just want to bring them You want to bring them in, Just yeah. to say, yo, they came to Winnipeg. Those are famous last words. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so it, it's, it's fun to do that, 100%. You want to be the brand that does it. And if you want to do that, I find that, you sponsor the event, be a part of it. There's a lot of way to do it. To be able to to be able to even get that book is very difficult. But yeah, I, I hope we can get more names coming through. You know, I think I think we're definitely lacking, and I don't know it's because I stopped doing those medium sized shows, but we're lacking a lot of meet smaller shows. You know, like that's why it's cool to see the shows that are happening at the Burton Cummings, at the Exchange Event Center, mm -hmm. at Park Theater. These are cool venues trying to do cool stuff, and people are gonna realize you know if you want to see more stuff, more shows, you gotta buy more tickets. Yeah. And, and it's like, you, you actually can't be like, I need to see this artist. You need to see the, all the support, all the artists that are similar to that artist. And that's how you create a, create a new culture and create, like, you know, if the promoter sees that people are supporting this kind of music, they're just going to bring more of it, you know, and getting a free ticket from a promoter is cool. But if you had to get a free ticket from a promoter, it means that that guy's not making as much money. He's not inclined to keep bringing back that show. But if everyone's buying tickets, it's going to motivate that promoter to bring more of that show. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And that's just, it's hard for people around people fully understand that. You know, like, again, because I'm not fully motivated by money, but if the show support's not there, why would we bring them back or another act like yeah. that, right? And it builds, like, reputation, and then people are, you know... 100%. Hey, listen, likely to if, come if, back. if Stephen Hua is not bringing EDM shows... Yes, yeah. so his agent doesn't 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 call, yeah. right? So there has to be support. There has to be someone pushing it, someone someone believing it. Mm -hmm. So if you want to see Drake, all the hip hop shows have to crush it here. They all have to do well, yeah. right? And then yeah. maybe they say, "Listen, wow, the hip hop community in Winnipeg is crazy. The support system is crazy. We have to play there." We see uh -huh. DJs message us like, "We really want to play Winnipeg. You, your scene looks so live right now. We want to come there." Uh -huh. They see this stuff. Not saying that it applies to Drake, but. And, he, and the or artist is smaller than that, right? So, yeah. But again, it's about momentum, right? It's about creating that culture, creating that momentum and people wanting to be here. It starts from the small guy. It starts from the small event, you know? Yeah. I, think, I think the mindset that you had or you still have um, was like, you know, if nobody's going to do it, like, I'm going to do it. That's it. I'm going to be the reason. And I think that's a very, very good mindset to have. And I think we fall... I would like to think we fall yeah. somewhat under that mindset. Too much complaining. Well. Yeah, just too do much it. complaining. Just do it. You know, just try to do it. And if you can't do it, support it. Mm -hmm. Not everyone's gonna want to risk a hundred grand to do a show or or yeah. open a venue, whatever it's gonna be. But like, complaining about something, complaining about something, you're not 
a part of the solution. Exactly. You're actually creating the problem that you the problem that you dislike. It's you're actually amplifying. perpetuating yeah, it, it and it, amplifying it. it. And your negativity breeds negativity. Mm. But if you just pick the positive of what you like, you're gonna get more of that in the city. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. You're complaining about all these things you hate. It's not actually helping anything, mm. you know. And I wish that it, you can't. Obviously, people are not gonna. Oh, not everyone's gonna get it. Some people are just negative by nature. But like. Mm. People just got to really, really focus on the positives, you know, and, and the things will just only get better. I, I love these talks. Our, we, our team, we talk about it like almost on a weekly basis. Good. That's awesome. We're like, yo, why can't Winnipeg be a girl known as like, you know, Toronto's known in Canada. Why can't Winnipeg be another one that's just there? And, you know, slowly studying. And I, I don't know if we're going to be the reason or it, I hope a lot of other yep. people as well are the reason. But, you know, it's on the rise. On the rise. <laughs> it is. on the rise. Oh, Yeah. I also want to touch on, um, you, you have a family, you know? Yeah, I got a family. And he, you have a son. Two sons. Beautiful. And yep. they're coming up. What are some, like, do you see certain things in them? And what do you tell those guys that, like, yo, my dad <laughs> did this and this and this? Yeah. Like, my, my we, son, I don't think don't my know. sons care about what I do exactly. necessarily. You know exactly. what I mean? I don't, think they, I don't think they look at their dad as being like, oh, he's doing all this cool stuff. because. But at the, at the same time, I think they respect, you know, the grind and, sure. and, the, and the hard work I put in, right? Uh-huh. My oldest son is 16 years old and... I'm sure I'm waiting, waiting for the day for him to be like, dad, can I go to that show that you're putting on? Like, what's going on? Like, Hey, my friends are asking about summer of sound, you know, can we get them (laughs) tickets? I would love that day to happen. It's not there yet. That's okay. You know what I mean? And it may never come. Mm -hmm. It may be nothing he wants to do, but that's up to him. You know what I mean? If if it does awesome, you know, my youngest is like every day, dad, when am I going to get my YouTube channel? When are we going (laughs) to set up? What's going on? I'm going to have to hit up you guys, get some advice on that. You know what I mean? He's just on in my ear, like just last week. He's like, Dad, so is this the year we do a YouTube channel? I'm like, son, as long as you're doing good, uh-huh. you know, you focus on school right now, you know, don't just have fun. Yeah. Don't worry about YouTube channel, right? Beautiful. He's watching it and he's got this YouTube channel voice ready to go and he just <laughs> loves it and he studies it. And he wa- He's a very like, he watches different channels and he's like, I like this guy, I do this, let's do this. I'm like, it's actually crazy to see wow. that like energy and enthusiasm in a six year old, you know what I mean? To do this. Yeah. He's, been, he's been wanting to do this since he was four. But I don't want to be throwing in front of a camera or anybody. He's four sure, years old, whatever. Sure. But now he's, I think he's getting to the point where probably by the end of the year, I'll do something with him. But like, it's just crazy to see like that awesome. enthusiasm, you know? Yeah. And I, he gets it from somewhere. You know? 100%. You know, 100%. Dad's high energy. He's high energy, right? Probably watching this right now. <laughs> he's probably watching this right now. First view. Wow. I mean, is there anything else you'd like to touch? I mean, I know there's so many. I, I just want to know a story. Like, I, I know I, I hate when I ask guests, like, tell me a story. <laughs> tell me it's a story. Like, it's like hard to oh, come up with. It, but, but I want to know something that's like just you couldn't believe that you were happening. And I know it probably like builds over time, but there's something that stands out. And I should have asked you before to prepare. You know, like, I wish I wish I took more notes of all the struggles and successes of, of so I can pinpoint these stories. You know sure. what I mean? Like. Certain things that stand out because we touched about we talked about Steve Aoki. Uh-huh. Um, I had a sold out so sold out show with him in uh, at the Garrick Theater, sold out, and uh, he ends up missing his flight. Right, uh-huh. he's like, I can't make it. I'm super sorry, Steve, and I, I missed the flight. I'm not gonna make it. I'm like, man, I got a sold out show. He's like, what are we supposed to do? He's like, I don't know. Like we have to repostpone. I'm like, man, I'm like I'm gonna lose a pile of money because yeah. I have to pay for all these the rent, the rent and everything else. It's the day of. He's like, well, I can make it there if we get on a private jet. Right, I'm like, okay, so what does that cost, right? Yeah. And it was at the time it was like six grand one way, whatever it is to get there. But you can't fly one way because the jet's got to fly back, yeah, you right? You got to pay for the crew, right? We well, got to pay for the crew to go there and back. Yeah. The jet's not gonna park it in Winnipeg and stay. So I'm like, Steve, if I pay for this jet, like, there's no profit on the show. I make nothing. I'm not making a hundred grand on the show. I'm making five grand. The jet costs five grand, so I pay the five grand because as a promoter. 
it's more important for me to make sure everyone has a good time. I don't want to disappoint a thousand people. I make it happen, right? And I wish people really understood that there's sacrifices being made, not just for me, but a lot of promoters. You know, we want to make things happen, you know, and, yeah. and we made sure the show went on. And there's, a, and it, there's countless instances in events where they should have been canceled. Or, or one of my staff or someone comes through and does something and the stage was going to, the power went out and someone got a backup generator. No one knew or was going to cancel or like the, the, the flight was missed and someone had to get a work permit through the line, call in the city back, you know, contacts to make something happen for an immigration issue. Like, yeah. hey, we're going to deport your DJ, but we, we need to call some contacts that we have to make sure that they can, they can stay like, or this tour is going to get canceled because this paperwork wasn't done on time. There's just so much stuff that goes behind the scenes and, I wish I documented a lot of it, yeah. but because just go it all because it always works out, yeah. you know, and and it's just like not to say that all life always works out because for a long time it didn't, you know, and it's just crazy the amount of work that goes in. And sometimes you need luck, you need a good team, and the th things th for things to, to happen. It's, I wish people could see like yeah. how it's never that easy, you know what I mean? And and sometimes people may take it for granted, it's like oh, this this guy's doing this party has a great life and it's so easy, he's making money, but no, it's not easy. And sometimes it's not a great life. And sometimes there is no money. You know what I mean? And, and I'm not looking for any sympathy in any way because I said I, I'm blessed. I, I love my life. I love everything, all the ups and downs, and I appreciate them. Mm -hmm. But it's, I wish people could kind of go through it and see it. You know what I mean? Sometimes people plan like a wedding social. Like, man, Stephen, this is so stressful, this wedding social. I'm like, like bro, <laughs> you need to sell 300 tickets to your friends. Yeah. You can't even lose money. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's stressful because everyone takes stress differently. Mm -hmm. I wish everyone had to go through that kind of like, go through, go through the experience, go, go through the pressure of what it is, you know, like, but it's a different kind of stress. You know what I mean? I mean, maybe I'm just kind of used to it, but like, it's just, it's just, it's just crazy. You know, like, I think the next thing for you is a book. You got to write a book. I would love to read your book. I, <laughs> I, I, I will, I will, you know, I, I, I hear that a lot from people. I will either be extremely successful in wealth or I will go dead broke. At that time, I will write that book nice. at that time then. Because it will be a story of how someone did so much and just ended up with completely nothing. And that's okay. If that's what, how it works, yeah. that's the story. And people need to learn the story of what, how, what broke me, what went wrong. How can I help the next entrepreneur not make the same mistake? Mm -hmm. I feel like there's too many positive, positivity, positive uh, podcasts and, and influencers. Mm -hmm. There's not enough people telling the negative stuff. Of course, it's always sure. about like, if you work hard, you can do this. Like, no, you know <laughs> what? Sometimes you work stuff. hard and it happens you're gonna go broke yeah it's the reality you know what i mean like there needs to be more of the reality there needs to be more of like the truth and the ugliness of like the losses mm -hmm. and then from there you're like then i should decide should i try this because i now have seen both sides yeah. but it's always been like if you work hard your dreams will come true Whatever. i've made it you know what i mean like i made it. i'm the nba i'm the actor i'm the famous guy there's a million others that didn't make it yeah. and their stories to me are actually more interesting Absolutely. than the ones that made it because like you, the end of the day is like, yes, hard work, luck, all these things are, and talent all, all work. But why did the other guys not make it? You know, and what happened with them? If we spend more time listening to people that lost, we would all gain a lot more knowledge. Yeah. Listen to the guy that lost money in his business. What happened? What did, where did he go wrong? You know, like mm -hmm. that's a collection of stuff that I want to put together. Yeah. Talking to the entrepreneurs that didn't make it, that went broke, that had it and lost it. That's the lessons that you wouldn't want to hear. But all the books are written for the guys that, that all made it, right? So... No, I agree with that too. Cause like sometimes, you know, I'll listen to motivational speaks, speeches and I go, just work hard, grind. And we glorify like the people at the top. Yeah. Well, Cause you know, you want to aspire to be like them. But I think by telling these stories, the people who are in those stages, like throughout, like let's say someone just starting out yeah. like, and they're in a similar use of the, the path's pretty similar. Yeah. 
it gives them a sort of hope. I would, I think, I, I would hope to see that. Like, just give okay, them a sense of reality of yeah, what could be. You know what I mean? Could be, yeah. It humanizes. The, humanizes it. Yeah. One hundred percent. You know, like, and it's just, it's just a reality check of what this could be great, but it also could be this. And yeah. and what are you doing to get to that point? And it's at least it'd be nice to like hear a voice tell me like, listen, this is where you're gonna probably fuck up. These are some mistakes that I've made. You know, yeah. like this is where I lost money here, lost money there, and then you could take, you could listen. Most people. Most of us entrepreneurs aren't going to listen anyway. Yeah, yeah. But at least we can have that in the back of our mind. So at least we can kind of derail if, if we see it coming. Oh, maybe this guy's right. Maybe I got I to gotta, I gotta finish this podcast where he talks about the loss of this business because then I could have, now I can avoid it. You know what I mean? Yeah. There needs to be, I wish there was more of that out there. I mean, maybe, maybe there is. Maybe I'm ignorant. There isn't. Then there isn't. I don't know. But mm-hmm. all I'm seeing in my timeline is just like everyone saying like to, to make things happen, it's going to be positive. Everything's going to be okay. I'm like, no, it's not. You know, like a lot of times it isn't. I mean, social media also plays a role in that because you, you it's a highlight reel. Yeah. Nobody wants to show, nobody wants to tell, sit in front of a camera and be like, this is where I messed up. But that's what I want to do. Yeah. Right? Like, that's what I want to do. Like, that, what, that, that, like, I actually believe like that's where in, in time, when, even if I become extremely wealthy and successful, mm-hmm. my podcast or my, my story will be yeah. just a bunch of failures. I love that. That's it. Because I've gotten, I opened a hundred businesses. I'm only running like one or two now. So clearly 98 didn't work. You know I'm like? Or didn't last. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, so where's that story? You know what I mean? Everyone wants to glam- glamorize the one that hit, mm-hmm. you know, but I mean, there's a lot of losses along the way and that's to get, it'll help you get through the losses if you can, again, humanize it. Right. And people see that they've been through it. At least now you can expect that it could, it could happen. Right. What's the, what's the future for, for Stephen Hua? Like, what do, what do you want people to say about I don't know. Right now, I'm still grinding. I'm, I'm, I'm honestly, uh, after COVID, COVID kicked my ass, obviously, and it caused a big reset of what I've been doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and as with everybody, right? Yeah. So now it's like, where do I want to take things? And now, again, my mindset is what project? No overhead, low overhead, low startup cost, low risk. I don't want to jeopardize my family's money, my friend's money. I don't want to take out investors. I want to keep things low key. How can I utilize my skill set, my network, you know, my ideas and help? other businesses grow mm-hmm. while also making money for myself. That's what I want to do now, right? So it's more of a consulting a headspace. Yeah. And um, I, there are a bunch of projects that I'm working on that I want to be able to scale. You know, me and my dad got a bunch of couple of projects and a couple of friends, a bunch of ideas. So now it's a matter of just putting them in place, but I'm not in a rush anymore. You know, I'm, I'll be honest with you, like now, instead of doing all 20 things at once, I'm doing only five things at once. And, and I'm not even like doing the five things at once. I'm, I'm prioritizing them now in certain ways so that it, it makes a lot more sense now, you know? Mm-hmm. And I'm not in a rush. Before we'd be like, I got to do it. I yeah, have to yeah, do it. Yeah. Winnipeg needs this. I got to do this right now before it's too late, before someone else does it. I would be the first. I want to be the first. Mm-hmm. And that's my mindset's gone. I just want to make sure I do this right. And if I don't do it right, I don't want to do it. I'll put it off. And if it doesn't work, I'm okay with that. Yeah. I've accepted a lot of these things now, you know, and wow. losing and getting beaten down. You learn these things, you know, and it's okay. As long as I'm not losing money and I can still feed my family, I'm okay. You know, wow. I'm happy. Life's good. Life's great. <laughs> <It's awesome>. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, we asked you this at the uh, last episode, but we like to end uh, all our episodes with some lessons, advice. Uh, you've written this whole episode. <laughs> People are write, <laughs> write notes about. But something that really, you know, you truly believe in and that somebody could take away. Like if you wanted people to take one thing away from this episode, what would it be? I think, I mean, if, if, any, if any lesson I ever want to teach anybody um, is what I already touched on. It's just basically like there's opportunity truly everywhere. You know, re- get self-realization of like what your skills are, where you are in life. It's a difficult thing to do, you know, and sometimes your friends need to tell you, 
your parents, not everyone really knows the full story. So you got to balance it all out, right? But what am I actually good at? Mm-hmm. What do I actually want to do? You know, and if you're looking for business to do, those are the first things. Like money is everywhere. I've seen it. I've met the millionaire guy that literally rents toilets. I met the guy that does every job possible, whether it's, like I said, the full spectrum. Yeah. There, there, there's someone successful and making millions of dollars doing it. Yeah. Somebody. But are you, you need to find the one that drives you or the one to keep yeah. you going, right? And the money will come. You know, I believe that, again, I, and I do believe that you'll be so happy that money's not driving back there anyway. Mm-hmm. If you could wake up every day and work 12 hours and enjoy it and have a great time and you're actually be able to feed your family and keep things going, what more do you want? Yeah. Honestly, you know, like mm-hmm. people, there's a lot of people, there's a lot of miserable rich people. I meet tons of them, mm-hmm. lots of them, you know, and, and they don't enjoy what they do. A lot of people, they're making money. Like, I can't wait to do this, stop doing this job. But it's, sometimes it's an end to a means to an end, right? You want to make money so you can get the freedom to not do it. Funny enough, right? I want to I make enough money doing what I hate. But that's the thing though. And that's why I say like a lot of these overly positive things like chase your dream, do whatever makes you happy. No, you can't always do that. Yeah. You got to do what you're good at even if it don't make you happy mm-hmm. because it's going to pay your bills and it may build your dreams. You can't just be like, sunshine and rainbows and this or wage <laughs> just do what makes it. you happy and you'll be okay no you're gonna be in the street you know like it's, you gotta be able to be able to accept and realize you know what you're actually good at and what you really really want to do for the rest of your life mm-hmm. wow that's deep and it, <laughs> <laughs> too deep i know talk about parties that's <laughs> it you know? <laughs> you know i'm gonna take a lot away from this episode and i'm sure our, our audience will as well uh, anything else you want to touch on before? No, I appreciate you having me. Up. You know, I wish you guys all the best. And like I said, I, ha- I hope I hope I'm hoping the first guest to come back for the third time. <laughs> We'd love to have. <laughs> we can make that happen, Steven. <laughs> See you anytime you're welcome. All right, guys, thank you so much for listening, watching, viewing, subscribing wherever you listen to us. Be sure to like, comment, subscribe. You guys know the deal. Um, check out Stephen Hua. Everything in the description. Summer sounds also coming up. Summer sounds coming up in Friday, June 10th. June 10th. Got some big, big announcements coming up in <laughs> September. Uh, for bigger events as well. So there's a lot of cool stuff happening. And uh, yeah, no, this is going to be an exciting year. I don't know if you want people reaching out to you, but if, you know, you've been pretty open to us at least. So if you need advice. I am, I'm, I am happy to help any entrepreneur if you have any questions. This is an, this is an open invitation. Yeah. I may not always be the easiest person to get a hold of, as you know, yeah. we're not always the most <laughs> no, responsive, but I try my very, very best. And if there's a situation where I can help with, I'm always happy to help, mm-hmm. to help guide someone if you're something you're unsure about for a business idea, starting something up, happy to give you some resources, put you in the right direction. You know, I'll send you some voice notes along the way to kind of guide you along, <laughs> I love right? Those. Yeah, I love I'm just if I'm driving or I'm in meetings, like or busy. I can't, I can't really text all the so time. Easy, right? Yeah, yeah. So, that, so then, yeah. So I, I'm actually, I'm happy. I, I would love to help. Mm-hmm. I, I believe that that's the next step. It is. I should, I should say that yeah. helping other entrepreneurs in any way that I can and learn from my losses definitely would be a dream to kind of help do, and then over the next few years for sure. I guess UMFM every Tuesday morning, 1130 YouTube every Tuesday. See you next time. Peace.